Welcome to the podcast is dedicated to making you a faster cyclist. The Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee with our head coach, Chad Timmerman. Hi, everyone. Our, C- our CEO, <laughs> Nate Pearson. Chad, we haven't, we've been off for like a while, so you have to be more excited. No, I'm fresh. Yeah, he's just You're fresh. fresh. That was a smooth delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is a, you can join us live. Actually, this is a live stream. It's not at our typical time, which is usually Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific. We're on a Friday right now. And Nate actually kind of had a good idea. We may consider doing this because North no Star, promises, no promises, but oh, yeah, North Star, the bike this. park is open now close to us. Trail and, day. uh, yeah, Friday trail day, Friday, just get more work done during the week. So then you can spend the afternoon at North Star. That sounds good. North Star is work for me. That's exactly <laughs> gotta right. You've got to, yep. Because you right. have Cape Epic coming. So do I. Yeah, that's true. Chad, too. Yeah. So you guys have an excuse. My skills are already pretty much topped off, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I truly I have none. You can submit questions to us at trainerroad.com slash podcast, and we will answer them or as many of them as we can every week in this podcast here. Uh, we read through every single question, and I really thank you guys for submitting them. I really appreciate it. I wish we could answer them all. But... We means Jonathan. Yeah, that's true. I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, then after that, we all prepare and go through, and, and we prepared a fun list of questions today. That said, uh, we are going to cover a few things beforehand. First of all, a congrats goes out to everybody because we haven't recorded since this ended, but to Dirty Kanza finishers, mm-hmm. whether you did 50, 100, 200, 350, whatever it was, uh, good luck, or uh, forgive me, good job to all of you for finishing. It seems like a really hot and brutal day. Uh, other thing, we have to congratulate uh, Keegan Swenson. He got uh, so member of the Stands Pivot Team, the pro team presented by Maxis. We are also a team sponsor, Trainer Road is, so we like cheering them on. And he won a UCIC1 XCO event. That was a lot of numbers and letters, but in the Czech Republic, which is pretty cool. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big race win for him. Mm, that's uh, awesome. He's getting more and more points for uh, an Olympic bid, which is exciting for him. Uh, then Keegan and Sophia, they won the Missoula Pro XCT, which is part of the biggest XC series here in the U.S., or XCO series, I should say. They won the marathon, or it's a four-day stage race like what I did in Utah, and they won the overalls. <laughs> Chloe won the first stage, but then Sophia swept the remaining three, wow. and Keegan went four for four. Pretty impressive. She's That's prepping for Cape Epic with me. That's it. <laughs> That's good, it. Good job, Sophia. Nice build up. Are we ready <laughs> for Cape Epic? She's worried. A uh, question about picking Olympians because Keegan is a, mm-hmm. a U.S. person, mm-hmm. a U.S. rider. Uh, points don't really matter, right? It's like he gets picked by some kind of committee. Yeah. Normally, it's the most points, but they could do whatever they want. Yeah, right? I think that they can override that. Yeah, so but like, uh, the, they do. <laughs> they reportedly consider the points very heavily. Yeah, I think they did it with Kristen Armstrong a couple years back, right? Mm-hmm. She hadn't earned the points, but they felt she was our best best shot at an Olympic gold. And she, Great choice. She was, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that they can override that, but he's doing the best. <clears throat> That he can to stack the deck in yeah, his favor. Of course, you've got to be proving that you're fast. Yep. It would just be if you're not, if your rider has the most points and then you don't yeah. get it, that would be yes. that would hurt, right? Every yeah. four years. You, yeah. Uh. Yeah. And speaking of Sophia, uh, good luck to her. She just down, she's down in Argentina now. She's there for national championships. So she's there to defend. Oh, excellent. Because she's a dual national champion and yeah. cross country eliminator and cross country Olympic. Between so. the two of us, we're going to have a few national championships <laughs> and uh, stage race wins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe an Olympics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Between the two of you. Uh, I know. Yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. be awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah. 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 Um, so good luck to, to you, Sophia, on uh, going on with that. You can check that out. Follow them on Instagram. Instagram. If you search Sophie the Via, you can follow her there, um, or you can follow the team. Just search Stance Pivot. You'll find everybody there. It's uh, pretty cool stuff. 
Uh, we also have some. Pro- oh, and one other thing: Are you doing the Carson City off road? Nope. Are you doing? The- nope. No. Okay, I'm doing the 35 miler one, and so that's kind of the next event for me. Um, actually, I take that back. I think I'm going to do an XC race here in Tahoe next week, which might be of interest to you, but I think you're out of town. Um, When's but, Carson yeah. this weekend? Mm, two weekends. Two weekends. Yeah, and I'm building up for it. So, or I oh, should yeah, say, I'm building up to nationals. So this is just going to be. I'm going to treat it as kind of like just a day to put in the K's, so to speak, yeah. as they say. I have no mountain bike. That's, That's I right. mean, no cross-country you bike. You sold it, didn't you? Should we say what, we're, what I'm buying? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And the Pivot Mach 4 SL. Yes, that's The it. new one with the live valve. Live valve, yep. Ooh, so the reason I'm getting this, it's more uh, it's more slack than the Epic. Yes. And it is uh, kind of the same idea with the live valve as the Epic with the, the brain. With the brain, yeah. Except it's all, um, uh, forgive me if I... Mm. You, you jump in if I mess any of this up. Mm. It has accelerometers in there, and if it detects that you're about to hit a bump like you're moving downwards, it opens up the valves, <laughs> and it's like a regular mountain bike. <laughs> but then when you're pedaling, it's like a fully locked-out rigid bike. And then you if could, it senses bumps that you're going over, it can go into an in-between, so to speak, too. Yep. So it's really clever, and it works incredibly well when I wrote it. I mean, yeah. I'm very impressed. I've read yeah. a lot of reviews, and people say it just spoils you forever. So <laughs> yeah. the brain reviews are, are mixed. I was fine with it, but... Well, what do I know? Like yeah. I know, right, I right. famously don't really know a lot about suspension. So this will be. I rode Carson City locked out, and I was like, "This is awesome." <laughs> yes, uh, I remember that. Yeah. That uh, was great. So this it should feel really good. Uh, it's I think as light or lighter than my Epic. A little bit slacker. The chain stays a little bit tighter though, so that should feel better. More travel up front. You'll have a 120 millimeter fork, which. Yep will make it, even if you had a 100 millimeter fork, it would still be slacker than your Epic. So with a 120, it's more effectively slack, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you're raising the front end. Gotcha. But at the same time, still, it's going to be solid when I'm like out of the saddle because oh, yeah. of the live valve. Yeah. And the last part is on the extra large. You can do two bottles in the cage. They mm-hmm. do two in a row. Yeah. So, that's, so that was a selling point because I want grab. two bottles. I yeah. don't like wearing a backpack for like <clears throat> cross country racing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It makes you uncomfortable and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's it, to let people know with live valve how good it is. Like you can kind of hear it if you're very, if you're quiet and not riding. If you're riding, you won't be able to hear it. But I held the bike like three inches above the ground. And then when I let it go, as soon as I let it go, it sensed that it was falling and it, and it opened up Really, and then it hit the ground and it was, and then after the initial bump of hitting the ground, I heard it dink and it closed. It's like pretty amazing. But when you're riding, you never feel it because yeah. it's so incredibly quick. That's the reviews that I hear is that people like, they didn't even know it was there. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it should when it should. Um, the other part about it is bikes now, they have to kind of be designed for it, right? Or at least have yes. ports for it. Yeah, because there's a lot of cableage, a lot of, you know, it's similar to like DI2 that it's electronic and has batteries and all that stuff. Mr. Mountain Biker, do you think that in the future all brands will have, like will update their frames? Kind of like how brands have yeah. for DI2 mm-hmm. to have live valve compatible, at least in one version of it. I think we're going to go in two directions. And on one side, you'll have bikes that are designed for live valve, which I... I don't want to put words in Pivot's mouth, but I think that this bike was really designed around Live Valve. I think so, too. Not just to accommodate the batteries, but I mean the suspension design, the kinematics, everything else was designed around this. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you design a bike to perform very well when it's open, when it's descending, and then you don't prioritize or compromise that with introducing you know, pedaling efficiency mm-hmm. because you know that it's going to be locked yeah. up. You can make um, it more party. So we'll go in that direction or we'll go into having more, I should say like more dynamic 
designs as far as linkage designs, like Yeti's, uh, the Switch Infinity one, that does pedal extremely well and descends extremely well, and there really isn't a compromise, and you don't need a lockout. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see if Yeti, for example, a company like that that has a design like that, yeah. ends up designing bikes for live valve. Because it's not just as putting more ports on the frame. It's really redesigning yeah. how your suspension behaves. Yeah. So, so they, it's kind of cool. We're at like a big inflection point. They basically. could rethink it and remove the Switch Infinity. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Maybe make it lighter, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. But then, then again, maybe Switch Infinity is in the end, a more efficient way or a similar linkage design is a more efficient way. Mm -hmm. It's really tough to tell, but it's pretty cool because we're getting spoiled. Exciting times, but not as exciting <clears throat> as about what I'm about to mention. Please. Yes. We have some awesome product announcements to cover. Uh, yeah. This is a big day. Okay. Yes, it is. So Can I take it away. Yeah, please. And first thing we'll cover is, is I just want to tease for people. Don't tease it. Uh, just a bit. It'll be fine. We're going to cover some app news. And then after the app news, we're going to cover and something that we've talked about before, but outside workouts, we have big news on that. So let's go into the app stuff. Uh, okay, so we have multiple product teams at Trainer Row now. We're to a size where we can do this, and these two teams just happen to get done like at right the same time. Mm -hmm. So this <laughs> is two huge like this would be if either of these happened in a six month period or a year, it might be the biggest announcement. But it's like the same podcast, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, First, we have cool. a brand new desktop app. Um, this is in beta right now. If you've been on the forum, you've probably seen it. Um, it's been out. We've had thousands of rides on it. It's doing really well. Or We're if you've looked at my Instagram, you've probably seen it. Yep. Got so, a few comments from people that say that doesn't look normal. <laughs> so it's awesome. It's, it's, it's going to be on uh, the production, meaning that if you're on the desktop app, Mac or PC right now, it'll automatically upgrade soon. Uh, but um, you can also go to uh, trainer.com slash download slash beta, or if you just Google trainer or beta, it'll come up. Mm -hmm. So what we did here is... We rebuilt it, and the goals were to um, give all the uh, all the features that were kind of in mobile plus the calendar features into the app and make it so we can build things a lot faster, um, which we did both. So things you can do now, uh, we have the calendar in there. You can add, edit, and delete your calendar, which is really cool. Yep. You can add training plans, switch the days around right in the app. You don't have to go to the website. Uh, keyboard shortcuts are back. So uh, you can raise the intensity up and down with the arrow mm -hmm. keys. You can push M to switch trainer mode. So uh, I use this a lot. It's really nice to go from erg to standard mode yep. or resistance mode. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can, if you're in resistance mode, you can, or standard, you can use the arrow keys to change the resistance amount. The left or right arrow keys. Yep, which is very nice. Super cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get workout stats live in the workout. So these are like the interval power, interval heart rate, interval cadence, the TSS, the kilojoules, the normalized power, and the average power. So these were on, these were like a swipe screen on the mobile app, but now you can hit a little arrow and it's in the mm -hmm. desktop app. Um, better duration filters before it was kind of confusing where it would be like an hour to 90 minutes, the 90 minutes, to two hours or something like that. Yep. But you'd get a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Now what we do is we just break them into 15 minute chunks. And if you choose an hour, we'll get all the ones that are from like an hour 14 to an yep. 45, but it's, you'll get what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, that's in there and it's really nice. The whole app too just feels a lot better and it, it looks really cool. Yeah. It's super Quite nice. quick. It's, it's quicker. It's really, and it's so clean. Or it's it's just, just awesome. Mac users, uh, you will get the best. Uh, you'll get a huge improvement. Um, oh, yeah. I strongly recommend that you go to our that new app. Yeah, it's it's way, way better. PC and users <clears throat> is also better, but... It's the same experience that you'll get on either, but compared to where PC users were and Mac users were before, mm -hmm. Mac users will have more improvement at the current experience yep. that really and, they'll get. Uh, you actually have more features too than mobile, which has never happened before. We usually have mobile go first, but we um, this new platform that we're building on is it's easy to build. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, other thing we did is we have multilingual. 
So now the awesome. app is multilingual, and at first it's just the it's the text in the app, but we are in the process of getting all the training plans, uh, workout descriptions, goals, and the workout text that Chad's written being translated too. So what's available right now in the beta is English, French, Italian, Spanish from Spain, Spanish from Latin America, simplified Ch Chinese, Japanese, and coming very, very soon, these are almost done, German, Portuguese for Portugal, Portuguese, Brazilian, traditional Chinese, Russian, Dutch, and Korean. Jeez. So Pretty yeah, awesome. It's really fun, and it, it opens up our market a lot, and uh, we have a lot of international users, and it, it just makes it nicer to see it in your own language, even if you speak two languages. Totally, yeah, yeah, it's a big, big help. Um, two, like the caveats of this is there's no CompuTrainer support. Um, we can look at our numbers for CompuTrainer and the amount of complexity it is to get the USB port working. Uh, we, we couldn't do it. So for CompuTrainer users to stay on our existing app or get a new trainer. Yeah, you can still use the old app. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you'll you'll get an email too about how to do that. Or you can email support at trainerroad.com if you missed that. The other one is no PowerBeam Pro support. Uh, this is getting a little technical, but PowerBeam Pro, when they first did it, they did not use the Ant. Um, network key. Mm -hmm. So when we connect to it, we actually have to like disconnect all ant stuff, search for it. Uh, with the amount of people on our software that use the PowerBeam Pro today, or the Cyclops 300 or 400, the really old ones, these are like 10 years old trainers. Yep. Um, there's tens of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the amount of work is like months of work. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm sorry about that. You can still use the old stuff or mm -hmm. I recommend getting, you know, one of the a new, trainer. new trainers from the new You'll get a better awesome experience when you get a new trainer, too. Yeah, uh, both of those trainers, you'll get a better experience on the new stuff today. Um, I can say that it. for a fact, having used a PowerBeam Pro for a couple of years. Yep. So. Use the PowerBeam Pro. What it, so I use Cyclos Hammer, and I like Cyclos Hammer. So same company. Yep. PowerBeam Pro, it's an older trainer, so we're not comparing... Like totally just comparing ten year old yeah. compare a ten year old mountain bike to a dip mountain bike today. Yeah, it'd be totally yeah, right. But what it does is it it goes click 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 and it takes forever to lock into your power. It does, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah and like you do a if you're on it today, uh, I would look at trying to sell it on Craigslist or something, get a new one. Yep. Last caveat is you have to repair your devices. So when you get the repair, new app, isn't yep. not, not like fix, but repair them. Pair yeah. them once again. Yes, exactly. Pair them once yeah. again. So when the app opens, make sure you go click on devices and just click click on the devices. Super so quick. You pair them up. Super quick. Once you do it once, then you don't have to worry about it again. It's yep. just you'll have to do it for the first time. Uh, there's a thread on our forum about it. Uh, people are really loving it. It's um, awesome. There's a bug. We've been fixing bugs. There's just there's one thing that we're not sure if it's a bug or not. So we're investigating. That's the only thing that's keeping us from uh, launching to everyone. And uh, the other thing that we're working on right now, right, the calendar in the desktop app is a list, but um, we have it internally, uh, like a more of a grid calendar <laughs> like on the website, and that's being worked on right now. So it'll be kind of the exact same experience as on the uh, web. So that's basically the app news that you can have there. Um, so once again, you can check that out, trainerroad.com slash download slash beta, or just go to the forum and check or, it out. Or go trainerroad beta. You can Google yep. it that way. And, you know, this is what, June... We're June 14th. June 14th, 2019. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this in July, I bet you it's out. Yep. So just oh, just use the regular app and you'll have the new stuff. Yep, exactly. Uh, next thing. This is a super exciting. Yep. We've uh, talked about outside workouts before um, on, on this podcast. And, that, you know, we're moving the workout catalog or creating the workout catalog to, to be completed outside as well. But now... And before we just gave you the workouts, basically so podcast listeners don't know any of this. Really? I feel yep. like we've nope. talked about it. We were, we were quiet about it because we want to announce it for this thing. I, f I feel like we mentioned it in Maybe some Maybe we regard. did, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to pretend that we didn't. It. Let's do it from, the, from scratch. Okay. So here's the issue. You want to ride outside sometimes. 
We understand. It gets warm. But what you want to do is you want to be productive and use your time efficiently outside. Mm -hmm. Inside or outside. You always want to do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you go outside, you want to be efficient. Of course. So what we've done is we have created outside workouts, equivalent ones for all of our training plan workouts, and then semi-equivalent for ones that are outside of our training plans. Mm -hmm. So what this lets you do is if you go to your calendar on Trainer Road there and you have a workout scheduled, you have an option to do it outside. Yeah, you hit, hit do in or do inside or do outside. Yep. So the, the outside option, there are three different choices. Um, and I'm going to go from kind of least cool to most cool. Mm-hmm. Least cool is uh, you don't have power meter, RPE based. So we say, you know, go for this long. Here's the RPE. It's just text based. RPE meaning rate of perceived exertion yep. on the one to 10. Go by feel. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, sometimes you just have to do that. You're a mountain biker and maybe yeah. you don't have, oh, you have totally. a smart trainer. It's still better to do that than to just go ride. Um, if you're trying to get a workout, then just go ride hard. It's better to do a workout by feel oh, with the totally. RP scale. Right, Chad? It's better to do a lot of things by feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Next is uh, power base. So based on your FTP, we've got wattage targets and ranges for mm-hmm. each one of these workouts. That can also be handy if you're doing in a, um, an endurance ride. Let's mm-hmm. say you've got Baxter. Mm-hmm. You guys ever heard of that one? It's a great workout. Um, so if you want to do Baxter on the weekend, you know, Chad will have a warm-up and written in there, and it'll be easy to go do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the cool part, though, that we are just launching now is to be able to get these pushed to your Garmin. And the way that this does is if you authorize it through Garmin, which is um, on our website, and it'll all be self-explanatory when you open the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, it's based through our RideSync page to authorize the push workouts. Yeah, because <clears> right <throat> now, if you have a Trainer Road account, you can set it up so that it syncs with Garmin and Strava and other, and other Our workouts like go that. to them. Our rides go to them, but not the workouts. Yeah, so it'll show up in Strava, right? And then... Going the other way as well, your outside rides will show up in Trainer Road. Uh, and this you basically just reauthorize with Garmin, and then that allows us to push your workouts uh, to your Garmin devices. So what you can do then is, let's say you have a workout coming up tomorrow. You mark it as, I want to do this outside, or you mark our workouts as outside. And then uh, it will push to your Garmin calendar, and you pretty much just open up your, your Garmin Edge device. And if it's, as long as it's one of the newer ones, it'll be right there. Yep. One of the older ones, you have to go into workouts and find it, yeah, but it'll you still go into, be pushed to it. Yeah, you go into training. Training. And then when you go into training, it'll show today's workout, and that's what you load. So then what you do is you can do a trainer workout outside and be guided the whole time, mm-hmm. which is nice. We I did not ever want to, or we've talked about this a lot, build our own iPhone app or Android app. It just feels weird to have an iPhone or Android phone on your on your bars. Yeah, they're not durable. You crash. Mm-hmm. They're going to mm-hmm. pop off. I know that the there are cases annoying. that hold them. I know that those cases can be protective. And and yes, you could do something like that. Um, but we feel like you already have a cycling computer and we like to use those most. So in that case, let's put the devices or put the workouts onto those yep. that you already have. So we're working with Garmin on this. Um, we did not design the workout experience and we have some suggestions to improve that, which Garmin is receptive to. But we think for now, we found a really great way to do mm-hmm. workouts. And uh Maybe some of you have not done a workout yet on a Garmin Edge, but what it does is it uh, it, it kind of gives you it gives you some targets, but there's some kind of extra data that really helps with doing the workout. Yeah. So we suggest, and you'll you don't have to write all this stuff down. You'll get actually get an email when you enable this, so that you get all the information. It will be written and have a video for yeah. you walking you through everything. Yep. So it's a custom screen where you have elapsed time, three second power, lap power, and time to go. And what this does is basically when you start an interval. Uh, it'll say what your target is 
And then you'll have a, t- a countdown, which is time to go for how long your interval is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll have your three-second power and your lap power. So your lap power is kind of – that's your average power. Mm-hmm. And that's – you're trying to hit that for your target. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. In some cases, like I've done it with an edge 520 and edge – or sorry, an edge 820 and an edge 830. And then I've also done it with my forerunner 935. In some cases, you won't have like time to go, for example, but it's really easy to switch back and forth between the screens if you need to see that. And then you can see how much time you actually have to go. Yep. Uh, it's a really good experience. And, and this is in, I know this may seem like a simple thing, but that custom screen took us quite a while of testing across a lot of different people to really get to the point where we felt like this is provides the best experience. Yep. So, um, and yeah, we totally recommend setting something up like this. It's going to make it much better for you. The other kind of, parts that are different than a trainer would work out is first the warm up. We have to be like a free form. So mm-hmm. maybe Chad's prescribed a 15 minute warm up, and the power range that you have to stay in is between zero and say 235, maybe the top of your aerobic zone. And inside of there, Chad just wants you to warm up <laughs> and the time, let's say it's 15 minutes. We won't auto advance you to the next lap. That's like the first start of the actual work period until you hit lap. Yeah, it's super smart because mm. you may not reach the point where you need to do, That's for example, correct. maybe you have a 45-minute ride until you get to where you can actually do your intervals, yeah. right? It's very unlikely that at exactly at 15 minutes you're going to be on the right terrain yeah. with no cars, no sure. stoplights, no, or th- probably the right hill to be able to do it on. Conversely, you may get there a little <clears throat> bit early and feel ready to go, yep. and you then can you still hit lap. hit lap and you can just progress. Um, the next part is if you're doing shorter intervals – uh, it will auto lap through. So let's say you're doing one minute on, one minute off. Uh, anything where the rest period is really important that you maintain that for the workout to be uh, valid. So mm-hmm. like we've talked about a lot, some of these short, like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Mm-hmm. What you're really doing is you're not training aerobic po- or anaerobic power, you're training aerobic power yes. because you're having such a little rest period. Yeah. So those will just lap through. Other ones where maybe you have let's say two by 20, four by 10 minutes mm-hmm. um, during your rest period, when you're ready to go again, you hit lap. Yeah. And the reason we did that is because, uh, man, you descend and maybe <laughs> right in the middle of the descending, uh, it, it could take you longer to descend than your rest period is. Totally. Um, and on those, it doesn't matter as much if you get an extra 30 seconds rest or a minute. No. When you yeah. have an eight minute recovery, five minute recovery, it's okay. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. the most important part is to get to the right area so you can train again. Yeah. And we, and once again, we tested through a lot of this and it'll just feel natural to you. You won't even think about it when there's a workout with really short, tightly structured stuff. You'll be very grateful that it's auto lapping through. So you don't have to always hit the lap yeah, sure. and it'll just be natural. It'll be what you expect. Whereas for the longer stuff, <clears throat> when you do have time to actually stop and rest and recover, you'll want to be able to hit that lap button. Mm-hmm. It really just will come naturally. It's awesome. Yep. And at the end of the workout, uh, depending on what uh, edge you have, um, the newer edges, they don't end the mm-hmm. workout, but the older edges, we have an extra lap in there. So uh, if you're on an older edge device, just keep riding and yeah. then the workout will, we have a ride until lap gets pressed. So you can just keep riding and go home and everything still gets recorded. And even if you do, for example, you know, you have something where you accidentally hit finish ride, something like that, or your ride finishes, you just hit play again and you can continue yeah. and then you can just add on more time to the ride. Um, if you have a newer edge device, is it the 30 series? So the 530, the 830, or the 1030. Mm-hmm. So the 530 is the smaller one with buttons. Mm-hmm. The 830 is the smaller one without buttons. Mm-hmm. And the 1030 is the larger one with touchscreen. Mm-hmm. That has a 
different workout experience. Um, you'll probably see an email that you get. It has like graphs. It kind of looks like Trainer Road, mm -hmm. where you can see the intervals coming up. Huh. Um, we still like having that custom screen, but it's 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 pretty nice to see, especially if you're doing 20 intervals in a row. You're like, when am I done with these? Yeah, you, and if it's you easy swipe to lose over, count. Yeah, you can see it, mm -hmm. um, which is nice. Um, one more thing, it's kind of it sounds like a lot of steps to set up, but it's really a, a, you just authorize it and say I want to do this outside, and it's just seamless. It's super easy. The other cool thing is when you assign a training plan, you can say like from now on. I want all Saturdays and Sundays to be outside. Which and, is super common. Yep. And those will automatically then be outside workouts and push mm. to your Garmin. You don't have to do anything at all. You just have to make sure that your Garmin and your phone are synced, you know, regularly before the workout, that sort of a thing. So all you have to do is open up Garmin Connect on your phone mm -hmm. and then make sure the device syncs once, you know, yeah. a, a day before the day of. I think like too, that. if you connect to Wi-Fi, I yes. believe it will. If you yep. have your edge connected to Wi-Fi on the newer ones, it'll it's sync everything down. always done, which is super handy. So right now, this is still in our early access. We have a new section on the website. So if you go into your profile, it will say early access, and mm -hmm. you have to enable this at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, we just released the Garmin part of it this week, mm -hmm. but maybe by the time you hear this, that won't even be an option because it's already there. Yep. Um, if you go to your calendar and you have a workout, you can just look at it, click into it, and you'll see if there's an outside option or not. Yeah. And right now it's just Garmin. There's no Wahoo yet, but we are actively working yep. on that. Wahoo is being worked on right at this minute. Yep. Yeah. So that's something we're and working on. As of now, um, past Wahoo, there's no plans to do other devices. Uh, I've seen requests for it, but I want to, you know, we're still relatively small. So it's about market share. So if another company either, uh, I'm hoping we can have an API in the future so that companies can just do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but as of now, it's going to be Garmin and then Wahoo coming soon. Yeah, exactly. And it, also, during the process when you set it up, there's a little thing that you click on that will um, you can subscribe so that you'll know when Wahoo is available. Yeah, yeah, it's super easy. So just to quickly <clears throat> recap about how you actually get this done, it's really cool when you add a training plan and you're selecting which day you want the workouts to go on, which is a really cool feature. You can just drag and drop. And so, for example, even though it may say you work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can drag those to whatever day. That's always been there with the training plans. But now you select on that. You can say, well, I always ride outside on Saturdays and Sundays. So you can just sec select that. And those workouts will automatically be outside workouts. However, if you need to change something on the fly and you're going to ride outside on a Wednesday, if it's scheduled inside, you just go to your calendar, tap do outside on that workout, and then it's done. And conversely, too, you can convert an outside workout back to an inside workout if you need. It's really awesome. Or you can just add workouts into your calendar separate from adding in from a training plan, but add those in and then you can just uh, switch them over. It's super awesome um, there. And it's nice to be able to get those workouts done. We have a number of different best practices that we'll recommend to you and just some things that I've learned uh, that I feel like I could share that with just interval training outside in general is in most cases, I do find that it's better to find somewhere flat than a climb to do something. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because a climb does have an end. And in many cases, climbs <clears throat> vary more than like a, a very long stretch, flat stretch of road, something like that. Sure. It'll vary, obviously, depending yeah. on where you live. You got a perfectly smooth, or I don't know what to call it. Yeah, consistent Not grade. Consistent grade. Yeah, grade. the whole yep. way. That's plenty long, an hour climb, you're yep. probably good. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you can do too that I've found kind of helpful is in some cases I'll have steady state intervals and I've actually picked rolling terrain to do them on because that's kind of a skill. It's kind of tricky to Absolutely. be able to maintain power over that. So this is something that you could do if you want um, and you can work on that. Uh, a, a few other things though is what you'll do is initially once you start the, the interval, you'll kind of lock into where the power, what it feels like the right power and you won't have to look down at the screen the whole time. 
Yeah, you really don't won't. look down at the screen the whole time. People, yeah, not safe. Not um, safe at all. Yeah. Like be indoors if you want to stare at your power. Yeah, exactly right. And what you'll do is you'll you'll and you'll find this, and you've found this already if you're listening to this and you've trained with power for an extended period of time. You kind of know what 200 watts feels <laughs> like, and you'll rev up to 200 watts for that first interval, and you'll be like, okay, this is what it feels like, and then you'll check in every once in a while with brief Just glances. The occasional glance, yeah. But you won't be staring at your head unit, and you won't need to. Uh, you'll be surprised at how consistent you can be with that sort of a thing, especially if you have something set up with three-second power and lap power. Then you can make sure that you know you're in the right spot. Minor fluctuations happen. It's not the end of the world. World. If you use something like a smart trainer, just know that many times those smart trainers smooth the data that it reports dramatically. So dramatically, and, yes. And if you ride outside, you've noticed this because the power seems all over the place. That's just normal. Uh, what you're getting is something I would say artificial on the inside uh, or off from the smart trainer. So when it does fluctuate like that, that's why we have some smoothing three second power and then the lap power. But really, once you kind of tie into things and you find what 200 watts feels like would be able to stick right to it. Um, some more tips to do mm -hmm. is to, uh, you should all be having daytime running lights and rear lights. So yes. mm -hmm. rear light, uh, Bond Trekker makes a really bright one that's great. But also what I like right now is a Garmin Varia. Really nice. I like the, new one. nice. the new one, I mm -hmm. like cannot ride without it. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it's, it's a blinking light, but also it's a radar and on your edge, you can see when cars are coming up. Even when you're doing a workout, it'll yep. still do. Even if you're in a bunch of riders, you can still see it. And I, uh, I do not ever, I never go in the lane trusting it, but what's nice is when a car comes up, you can move over that extra bit, maybe into the sand to give yourself that extra couple feet. Mm -hmm. Or if you're descending and it's really loud, um, I think it's dangerous to look back all the time when you're descending. And mm -hmm. I can be like paranoid that I'm going to get a road rage car totally. um, by somebody like being behind me so much. And it, it just makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is a daytime running, running light. And you can get up like front. A, up front, mm -hmm. you can get a cage mount with a GoPro mount below. Yep. And that's really nice because then you can put the your head unit on top and then the running light mounted below. Most running lights have GoPro mount attachments. Yep. I have the little Bond Traeger. I think it's like the Ion Flare or something like that. It's a little two light set. And it's fantastic for front and rear. Yeah. And they last for like 20 hours or something that last a long time. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I have the Bond Trigger's newest one. And they say there's a special pattern or something. But it is super bright. And I don't know. You. So when you're outside, you have to assume that everyone's trying to kill you. Um, you you kind of do. They do. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Have invisible. you guys ever had it where someone passes you aggressively just and to then turn. just to turn right in front of you? Yes. So, happens all the time. So many people I know have gotten yeah. hurt. Yep. And that's the move that happens. Yep. The light... Probably won't. I mean, hopefully it will prevent that. But you just have to assume when anyone passes you that they're going to turn off right in front of yeah. you if there's anyone. It doesn't away. matter what you have on your bike. You're invisible. You, uh -huh. you can make eye contact with a motorist. You're still invisible. They, yep. they don't see you. You have to assume that. So everyone yeah. who you're – we're talking about running outside, and it's just a, a, a nice safety thing for everyone to remember. Totally. One, lights. Don't <clears> stare <throat> down at your head unit. Oh, another one is your workout is not – it's secondary to secondary safety. Secondary to safety? <laughs> yes. I know. Tertiary, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, okay, your Strava segment is secondary yes, to safety. Yes, same yeah. thing as always, right? Yeah, yeah but yeah. to it's, a lot of people, it's not. It's sad yeah. that we have to say that, but yeah. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, and, and then assume that everyone is trying to hurt you. Yep. The last tip that I would have on a specific interval structure is if you do have short on-offs, like uh, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and you don't have an extended, consistent 
pitch mm-hmm. of road. Uh, you can use short, steep climbs for something like that. I have, and it's sure. been basically what you end up doing is if you were to look at the GPS path and you have 30 <clears> seconds <throat> on, 30 seconds off, you'll go up and then you'll descend and you'll be surprised at how long it takes you to turn around, descend, turn around again and get going. And you'll kind of just daisy chain your way up to the top of the climb until you're done with that. That's because he's fit. So <laughs> oh, there are other people just go, like I go down. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, that's another option if you have that. But it's really exciting stuff. What this really opens it up to do is you can stick on stick to your training plan year round, yep. and you can you you do, doesn't mean that you have to train consistently the whole entire year. You still want time off, that sort of a thing. But now you have the option to just stick to the plan regardless of where you're at. And a ton of people we know don't have power meters when they ride outside that sort of a thing. You can still stick to this with RPE, like we said, and you're going to get a huge benefit. So. It's really exciting stuff. Yeah. Sorry. There's so much product talk, but it's two big things on the same day. It's so. really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I take some time to talk about myself? I'm sure people probably aren't satisfied with this. Yeah. Catch us up, Jonathan. You're like, yeah. I'll, I'll make it Let's less. Let's hear more about us. <laughs> yeah. I'll make it less about me and more about something that we did. So I Let would me ask a question. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever want, if I had a, some time off, why would I ever want to do a big aerobic training camp? There we are. And how would I do it? That's exactly what we're talking about. We had planned to go to Montana for the pro XCT, but they got rid of the amateur racing that they were supposed to do. And they just did like a six hour endurance race it was not what I wanted to do. So instead we did a family camping trip and I asked Chad, I said, Hey man, I have five days. Mm-hmm. What should I do with something like this? Yeah, you, have, <clears throat> you had a gap in your training too, that allowed us to basically p- pad it, pad it. We didn't have to. Yeah remove anything to add this. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, what, what sort of superfluous addition can we make that will actually benefit your race performance come nationals? Exactly. And I wasn't particularly fatigued coming in. I yeah. uh, didn't have anything like that. Yep. Kind of like a clean slate, so to speak in yeah. this case. Yes. Yeah. So were you coming off a recovery week? I don't remember. Yeah. 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 So you were, you were fresh one. and ready to rip it, yep. but it didn't make sense for him to rip it in this case because he's got a fair amount of intensity coming up. He's got race weekends. We don't need to pile more, more high level stress onto what he's already got planned. That, 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 that seems sufficient to all of us. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're, we just focus on an aerobic base camp, really. Just something we knew he was going to be at elevation. This was one benefit that we kind of later talked about. That it wasn't really the primary objective, but it did turn out that he was going to be sleeping at a high elevation and mm-hmm. he's going to be riding to higher elevation. So that was a bit of a bonus. But mostly it was just an accumulation sort of block. But because yeah. it was accumulation and because he brought a lot of training into it and he had a lot of training to, uh, to follow it, we didn't want to overwhelm him. So we made them, you know, he, he wanted to ride a lot, made that clear. So we made it low intensity Yep. with the intention of growing his aerobic base even further. So, so he may be very aerobically fit right now. doesn't mean he doesn't still have some room to grow. Yep. So in that case, you know, let's, let's pile on in the form of low intensity stuff and just do a whole heck of a lot of it. Yeah. It was kind of interesting because it's been since traditional base back in the fall, since I did something like it's this. The opposite of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, you're right. In many regards. Really right? quite boring. Although the scenery made it. Oh, it's I mean, gorgeous. It, the, yeah. the writing was good. So yeah. Yeah. You're not so, just sitting on a trainer for five hours. Yeah, exactly. I was sleeping at around 6,000, 6,500 feet and then climbing up to around 9,000 feet um, was like the peak elevation. So I was basically in between those spots or I was riding Yeah, somewhere in between around five to 7,000 feet basically was what I was riding at. Um, So I, and I kept things roughly in terms of normalized power for the whole ride, 60 to 70% FTP. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of intensity where you don't, you aren't just mindlessly noodling. Like you actually do have to keep constant yeah. pressure is how I would define it kind of like on yourself. Like it's not like you're really pushing hard. Um, and then I also did these, 
in the morning. So then I could come back with the family and have some time with them throughout the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So I did these, I started out fasted, uh, since it was lower intensity, I didn't feel like I needed a ton. And then once I got 60 minutes into the ride, I just continued to fuel like normal. Yeah. I mean, that, that probably didn't make much of a difference at all, mm -hmm. uh, quite honestly, in terms of, you know, signaling benefit. I don't think it did. I mean, either. cause I'm sure you didn't come into it with glycogen depleted legs. You no. know, maybe your liver was empty, but that's, that's neither here nor there really. Cause you're stressing those muscles. Those muscles, muscles have fuel on board. So they're not exactly performing in a starved state. Yeah. We were camping. So we had s'mores. I was not in a yeah, starved so you're state. Good. So, yeah. so that wasn't really one of the objectives. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the, the interesting thing with this is I didn't really feel fatigue adding up from this, from these sort of efforts. Uh, that, on, that's, you know, days on end. I mean, it's all relative. Kind of I mean, he can do this many days of it with rides this long because his fitness is where it is. Mm -hmm. So for, for a rider who's, you know, logging three to five hours a week, this mm -hmm. would be a very different story. Yeah. Cause I did about, uh, 719 TSS over five days. And I think it was 16, almost 17 hours. But they I were think. gentle TSS, which, you know, has yep. the benefit of, you know, r rapid recovery. You can do them day in, day out mm -hmm. over and over again. Yep. So, yeah, so it was kind of an interesting thing to be able to fill my time with. And I wish I'd be able to report that like, and I, now I'm flying, but I was sick. It won't going, happen just yet anyway, yeah, exactly. even if you were healthy. How long would it take, do you think? You uh, typically, we like to schedule these a good four to six weeks out because mm -hmm. you have other training that you need to do to sharpen. But the the fatigue, you, there's still some fatigue accumulated and you have mm -hmm. to shed that fatigue. And then, of course, the body takes time to adapt. I mean, you don't just instantly have all the adaptations we're seeking with these longer blocks. Right. So this is something where I probably see the benefits later on weeks down the road as I yeah. lead into my main event. Right. Yeah. Most likely. And this Good is six, four weeks or five, out six weeks from nationals. So yeah. It's so like it just, time. just serendipity, you know, coincidentally timed out really well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd scheduled this in advance, knew this was coming. I, I thought that I was going to be racing and I was going to oh. do a racing block, okay. a four day racing block. So this is kind of a different <clears throat> so, deal. So you made lemonade. That's, that's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I must say though, is I disobeyed one of my main rules, which is no training when sick and coming into this, yeah. I got a small cold for my son. And now, as you can hear from my voice, it developed into a sinus infection. It was something much bigger. And I'm sure it's because I was, you know, spending so much time on the bike, even though it wasn't really hard riding, that still takes a toll on your body. Oh, for sure. Even if you don't perceive that it is, it's still taking a toll on your body and it doesn't allow your body to recover. Yeah, right. That's true. So I'm sure that that's that kind of, and, and it <clears> bit <throat> me now. So like I'm ba I'm basically tomorrow, I won't be getting back into intensity tomorrow. I'm just going to be easy riding, just easy spinning around. Sure. Um, so it's kind of and a bummer. You did some locadence work as well. I did. Yeah. You, you suggested that. Yeah. Um, so, and I, why? Yeah. Force, force intervals. Yeah. That's, that's why I want to talk about it Get because it. in particular, so we all did VO2 max tests together at the same time we ran concurrent lactate threshold tests. So we could see that Jonathan, even at base levels has crazy high lactate. Mm -hmm. And then when he starts working, when he hits where most of us, us are at that, you know, so-called or supposed four millimoles mm -hmm. where everyone ha sees the knee and then they, they, and then their lactate skyrockets and that's, you know, anaerobic threshold, threshold, FTP, whatever. Um, his was crazy high. I mean, I think you were like nine millimoles. No, no I was 18. I was, well, that, that's no, where you topped out. I was 12.9 was where my threshold was. Oh, that's ridiculous. And then that's I so topped high. out at 22. Okay. So what that, one of the things that tells us is that he has a heck of a lot of anaerobic contribution or anaerobic fibers. So a lot of type two muscle at work. Fast twitch. Because of that, <clears throat> when you go out on these long rides, if you're working at really low intensities, you're not touching those fibers. So if you mm -hmm. do this day in, day out, those fibers will start to decondition. Mm -hmm. so, so in order for you to recruit those fibers at low force requirements, because you're barely turning the pedals, you're only working at 60, 70%, we have to slow it down. So there's a greater force contribution. We're shifting away from leg speed towards force contribution or force mm -hmm. to the force end of that relation so that you can 
um, recruit some of those fibers and still reinforce their aerobic capabilities because all they, although they are anaerobic fibers, there still are aerobic a- aspects to them. Uh-huh. And we want to keep you fit, but we also want to train the anaerobic side of them too by recruiting them, simply keeping them active. We don't want them to sit and deteriorate. It's multitasking, making taking advantage of the opportunity to do more, yep. right? Without yep. changing with, the nature. And you'll see this with Grand Tour sprinters too. Um, uh, Sebastian Weber made this very clear to me, and it, it, it threw me for a loop at first. But they'll they'll have, you know, the high level sprinters go out and do this very type of work because they don't want to decondition those fast fibers while they're doing these crazy long, you know, five, seven hour rides, which is what would happen if they didn't do some of this slow force work. Yeah. So I was doing, I had really long climbs. I was doing Ebbets, not the trainer road workout, but a very tall mountain pass in California. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that thing, you know, easy takes terrain an hour. to get high force in. Yep. So it was really easy to be able to just, you know, do 20 minutes is what I did. I did two to three of those per ride. Yeah. Did and you didn't feel suffer it? any ill consequences oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. It was, I mean, a totally different sort of fatigue from what mm-hmm. I got from the rest of the workout, right? It was kind of interesting. But just by the next day, fatigue that was totally much dissipated. Yeah. Yep. Totally gone. It wasn't excessive where it was adding up day over day or day, day on day. So it's pretty interesting stuff. We get a lot of questions about people, you know, putting in camps like that sort of thing. So to recap on this, this was six weeks out from nationals, which is kind of, or for six weeks out from my A race, which is kind of uh, an ideal timeline to well do something timed, like yeah. this. Uh, we kept the intensity low so as to not, you know, if I just went ham and went as hard as I could for, for those days, I'd probably have a ton of fatigue and it wouldn't set me up for good training following that. I wouldn't recommend it. No. So we kept it lower intensity, but then we also looked to get some more value out of it with those low cadence intervals. Um, not to mention the time the elevation. Yep. And the elevation. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it was good stuff. And a pro tip on how I fit in two of the days was I rode down to where we went camping instead of driving. Uh, My wife just drove down with my son. Then I met them there and it was an easy way to fit in the times. Then I got more time with the family and uh, it was pretty cool. So uh, with that, let's get into some questions, shall we? Mm -hmm. David says, I've been a podcast listener and train road user for years. Your training plans not only helped me complete my first half Ironman, but also subsequently take over an hour off that first event's time with, within two years. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with time management now. When, when I completed my first triathlons, my kids were young and my wife was a stay-at-home mom. I had a good with lots of time to train as she took care of the kids whenever I wanted to go and gallivant off training somewhere. And he says, it's not easy being a stay-at-home parent. Now that my kids are older and my wife is back to work, home responsibilities have shifted dramatically. I love what I do and the extra time I get to spend with the kids, watching them succeed in their own sports endeavors. But as I'm up early, getting them ready for and to school, working a full-time job and getting the kids to their after-school sports, I get home late and exhausted and go weeks or months with almost no training activity. I recently pulled out of an Ironman 70.3 because I know it won't be safe or fun to participate in an event that I haven't trained for. That'd be super frustrating. So he says, I get seven hours of sleep on a good day. I have reset my goals and expectations from participating in half Ironman distance events to shorter ones, such as sprint triathlon I'm targeting in mid-September, which I applaud him on that, which is a really smart thing to do. Sure. He says, my question for you guys is what time management strategies can you discuss to help the time stressed parent? And how have you seen, or how have you or seen others find, and he says in air quotes, find more time in their day to get in training? Thanks for all you do, David. So first things first, I guess we'll touch into the tips that we would give on that. Um, Nate, you have family, two kids. They go to gymnastics, plenty of other things like that, t-ball, all that stuff. Um, Simon doesn't have many post-school post, post, uh, post school commitments. But 
I guess the, the, I mean, the main thing that I would say is when you're talking about balancing that time and finding time, my wife and I work together on that. She goes to kickboxing or rides the trainer. And then we basically kind of trade off with that sort of a thing. But that gets much more complex. I know when you have more kids, um, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but that's one of the tools that we have in our toolbox, so to speak, that we use. And if I just kept it one-sided, obviously it would get way out of balance and it would be unhealthy. So that's one of the things that I do. Nate, do you have some tips? Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about sleep in a second for like, yeah, I'm going to give the non-parent perspective, 45 hours. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But <laughs> yeah. here's a couple things, especially if you're a triathlete mm -hmm. and you're running out of time. Well, uh, one, uh, forget all outside <clears throat> rides. Um, yeah. and I don't say that just cause we're trained road, so but time consuming. Yeah. It outside rides of your three sports swimming, arguably second, pretty close, but mm -hmm. outside rides take up the most time. And you think you need to do these five hour rides. You don't, you don't, um, eat more intensity inside, have everything set up, be quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, but also even more effective than that or more time efficient, I think is uh, short runs. Yes. Totally uh, running when you're a triathlete. I mean, really you can kind of fake the, like you fake the swim kind of just drift on the bike survive and survive the swim. Yeah. Uh, and then r run on the bike as fast as you can, or sorry, run as fast as you can, but really running's the, I, I think is the cornerstone to, if you are a time strap person in order to be able to complete these, um, triathlons. So, uh, lots of short runs that are like intense and then lunch runs. If you, that can be hard for people because you can get really sweaty, but Think of your lunch and if you have an hour lunch, do you really need that whole hour to do stuff? Sure. I know it can be relaxing, but if you could bring your own lunch and then hammer out uh, a I mean, nice 30 minute even tempo a run, 20 minute run. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Um, then you can, you know, you, it's, it's totally. a, it's a, it's a good way to do it. Uh, what I do too, is I train some of the activities I train when my uh, kids are doing the activities. So gymnastics, if they're in this big gym thing. I can barely even see them. Um, Mm -hmm. I train during that. So then I just go pick them up afterwards. Yeah. It might be different. Your kids are in like a big game or something like that. But, uh, uh, my parents never showed up to my practices and stuff like that. And I actually liked it because I always thought that someone was watching me and yeah. I had to be like extra good because my parents were there. But then when my parents weren't there, I could just be myself and do stuff. So, um, I think in nowadays you feel unsupportive as a parent if you're not like staring at your child for every <laughs> yeah. single second. Helicopter parenting. Yeah, totally like I need to be totally. there and looking at them. But, um, and I do that too sometimes, but I know as a kid, I really appreciate it that my parents like let me grow and expand and be by myself and experience <laughs> this stuff. Cause sure. even as your kid too, you, when you're in high school or middle school, you talk to a girl and your parents are watching you. <laughs> my <laughs> goodness, you not cannot- Not exactly do, what you want. <laughs> you cannot do that. So um, it's okay. And I've seen people do it too. Their kid has soccer practice. They bring their bike, they go do a little bike ride, maybe on trainer roads outside workouts. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Then come back, uh, and everyone's happy and they go out to lunch together. Sure. And it's, it's a fun time and you both get it. And the uh, last one I have is you can do some of these workouts earlier, but it looks like you're not getting much sleep and it's just to go to bed earlier. So many people go to bed so late oh, and there's oh, yeah. no, like, do you really need to watch, you can watch game of Thrones on the trainer. <clears throat> Like uh, all the yeah, time to think totally. of that. I'm like, I'm watching TV right now. If I went to bed though, I could watch the same show while I'm working out. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll get into this with the sleep in just a bit, but you know, if you're, no matter what you're doing for training, if you're not sleeping enough, not allowing yourself to recover enough, you're just cheating yourself. Well, on that's the it. Adaptations you can get. Then it's prioritization because you think I want to spend a little time. The kids are down. Maybe the kids go down at eight o'clock or seven o'clock, whatever. So you've got time and you want some me time. You know, you want to mm -hmm. sit in front of the TV and watch TV and decompress and detach. Mm -hmm. 
But do you want that more than you want to sleep well so that you can train well so that you can race well? I mean, yeah. you have to decide which is more important. That's me time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It absolutely is, for yeah. sure. And there's and we talked about this with Pete on the previous podcast that we had here on episode 206, but it really does come down to sacrifice in, to some degree. Nate, you brought up some great ones that I feel like aren't huge sacrifices, <clears throat> um, but there are certain times where you simply are going to have to sacrifice things. Yeah, one and, thing or the other. And that's But that's the whole point of, of, of training. You know what I mean? Like uh, all of us have time. And, and in your case, in this, you know, David, if you didn't have all of these things that were mandatorily filling your time, I'm sure you'd still fill your time with other things. So uh, just remember the fact that, you know, if you can trade off with your spouse, work together on that sort of a thing, that's great. Like what Nate said, uh, you know, be efficient, most efficient with your time and try to fit your training in, in the most efficient way possible. And then uh, I, a big temptation that I see a lot of people doing is they're like, I can't get everything done until the kids are down nine o'clock. Then I train at nine hmm. and then they compromise so much sleep quality. Everything it's else so is tough. Late night training is brutal. Another thing, David is for right now, uh, this is probably the best advice is switch sports, become a runner or a cyclist, mm-hmm. not a triathlete. Yeah, sure. Um, so tough to do. Yeah. I mean, with all the time in the world, it's tough to be, to do. <laughs> really? Know? This hurts me to say it, but the most time efficient would be a runner. Yeah. Cause you can train like 30 minutes a day yeah. and do half marathons Just all day long. Put on your shoes, head out the door. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but it, it, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. The, when you're a triathlete, this is what I always told people. You can be good at two of the three work, family and triathlon. Hmm. You can't, nobody can't is good at all three. There's no one in the world. Right. You see the people who qualify for Kona and they usually have some like a support system like you had before, mm-hmm. there's like stay at home or they're not really working. They own a business or something Yep. or they don't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. It's, or they're single or they're married yeah. to a competitive athlete. I mean, there's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a, um, a, you know, friend of mine, his wife just did an Ironman triathlon and they basically like trade off half the year. Mm. So like, and for oh, half cool. the year, he's kind of like her support system for the other half. She's yeah. his support and system. You can still be a good family person to be good totally. at triathlon. But what I'm saying is like, uh, you're not going to be great at all three. Yeah. You need some kind of support system in your family in order to be great at that. And you can still be a great person before I get any angry. Yeah. I'm going to get the yeah, sure. emails. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, yeah. It doesn't mean triathletes neglect their kids. Totally. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. It does not mean that. But it's important that we mention that because I feel like a lot of us put that pressure on ourselves to be perfect in all three mm. regards, whether you're even doing multi-sport or just one sport, yeah. we wonder, we look at some other person Last and we wonder doesn't. how in the world do they do all three perfectly? Well, chances are they don't do all three perfectly and it's okay. And it's natural to struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, yeah, that that's, uh, hopefully that gives you some tips on finding more time, so to speak. Uh, really it comes down to setting it aside, but efficiency can go a huge way. Oh, quick. I mean, a huge tip that seems small. We've talked about this plenty of times, but have your bike set up on the trainer and have everything that you need always set up and, and just don't, <clears throat> don't even put that barrier in front of you. Pre-make bottles. Yep. Have so the bottles take in the, them fridge. Out the fridge. Yeah. Yep. Anything, anything you can do in advance of getting on the bike, do it. Yep. Exactly. When you have everything there, it's so much easier to get it done. It doesn't just a small barrier turns into something much larger when mm-hmm. you're time crunched. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's what we'd recommend now getting into the sleep side, because this is the, we see people sacrifice sleep. I feel like the first <clears> thing that I see people sacrifice is sleep when they're trying to balance. Not just as athletes, pretty much anybody, yep. Any, anybody who's overly ambitious or just poor planning, you know, mm-hmm. just can't manage their time. Well, the first thing to go is uh, often sleep. And it's <laughs> yeah. too bad. Cause it is maybe literally the most important thing probably is. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then of course I don't, I don't have kids, so I can't really lend a parenting tips perspective, only observations. And I think both Nate and Jonathan 
Jonathan and Nate covered this quite covered that quite well. So Nate and I are going to kind of tag team the sleep sleep end of things. And it just so happens that uh, someone in the forum recommended a sleep study or uh, just a TED Talks daily. And if you don't subscribe to that podcast, might consider mm-hmm. it. It's it's always worthwhile. And uh, in particular, his, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, who's the director of Center for Sleep. I'm sorry, Center for Human Sleep Science at the University of California. Mm-hmm. Not, not sure which one didn't, didn't specify. But in any case, he's a sleep expert and uh, really well-spoken, really interesting 20-minute endeavor. And I learned a lot, and it just happened to coincide with something else that's particularly fascinating to me at the time, which is the immune system. We'll touch on that a little bit, too. But in any case, uh, he, he basically just, just showed us all the major issues, and they are major, that come with neglecting your sleep and, and how small tweaks, you know, just an hour here, hour there, really make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, Men specifically with testosterone, if you're sleeping four to five hours a night, you probably have less testosterone or, or the amount of testosterone of that a man 10 years your senior. That's so, crazy. So, I'd be like Chad. <laughs> pretty manly. <laughs> I'm going to start sleeping four to five yeah, hours a night. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Get jacked so we'd be on a level playing field in terms of, <laughs> in terms of testosterone. Um, and then women have similar hormonal effects, not with testosterone so much, but he didn't elaborate on that and I didn't really go into it. But the fact is it affects women as well. That's crazy when you think about that because a lot of people, like I'm thinking of college students, they live on oh, four no, no, to no, five no, no. hours. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> but the, the, the right crazy now, thing actually. is the four to five, I guess, is... And if you are analytical and track and you track your sleep, I mm-hmm. bet you there are more nights where you get four to five than you think, perhaps. Um, yeah, it's, God, I hope not. It happens. I know to you guys, but to me, it happens Oof. still. So no, I'd, I, I'd break. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on, on that note, though, um, in terms of college students, high school students, basically anyone within the education system who thinks that you know pulling an all-nighter is a great idea, I'm going to tell you <laughs> why it's not. So in terms of memory consolidation or really just learning, mm-hmm. you know, retaining the things we read, not just letting them pass in and out. Um, the part of the brain, the hippocampus, that is basically responsible for taking short-term memories and converting them to long-term memories, so helping us retain and consolidate these memories. Um, they, they, uh, Dr. Walker mentioned a study where they did an all-nighter, and, and he refers to the hippocampus as an information bo- or uh, an information inbox. So basically, when it's full, it's it's full stuff you can't you can't learn anymore; it just bounces out. And when you sleep deprive yourself, you're basically filling your inbox. You're not really filling it with anything, though. Nothing useful. Hmm. So via MRI, they watched MRI. They watched or compared students who had gotten a full night's sleep versus students who pulled an all-nighter, and there was a forty percent deficit in new memory acquisition That's capability. Crazy. Yeah, they've done a lot of studies on this. And so when you're yeah. sleeping, there's the the REM and then the NREM, which is the non-REM sleep. And during that non-REM sleep is when your memories are put mm-hmm. into the long-term storage. And if you've seen, what's the movie with the feelings, the Disney movie, you've seen <laughs> it with the four. Anyways, your parents, everyone knows what I'm talking about. The little balls that shouting it out right now. Uh, yeah. We're baffled. I don't know. I don't Someone know put it on the live podcast. Yeah. We'll say it later. But that, that's what happens. And there's, there are so many professions where this kind of messes up. And the biggest one are medical residents where yes. they have Seriously. people up for multiple days with little bits of sleep. Mm-hmm. People's lives are on the line. There's lots of studies showing that if these people sleep more, they would be better doctors and yep. retain more information. Yep. Which is why they've introduced, I know that they've introduced laws in certain states, and I think even in our country, to limit the amount of time they work residents. Because they used to just really? like... Yeah. But it's still... It's still a problem. It's still too much. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah. it, if you want to be able to retain, like if you study a whole bunch, mm-hmm. the next thing you need to do is sleep eight hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to be able to... Have have, lock it's it like, in. It's just... If, you can think of it just like training. If you train a whole bunch and then sleep two hours, 
you're not going to recover. You don't absorb. Yeah. Exactly. You don't absorb. Yeah. So, and along those lines, when Chad and I were at Powder Creek Lodge on that ski trip, and we were with a bunch of medical professionals that were all ER docs, that sort of a thing, they were mentioning the fact that they have to, in Canada, it is a bit different than how it works here in the States where mm -hmm. they actually have more force time off, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's incorporated on a year long basis, but also within a week, they kind of have proximity rules where you can only yeah. work so many, so many hours. I know they exist here as well, but well, I think they better so. recognize that there's a limit uh, is, is exactly backwards. Wanting to improve my learning. I'm going to do it by depriving me of the very thing that helps me learn. It's crazy. Think of how many nights I just stayed up all night studying for tests. It's same here. We've all done it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, an all nighter. Have you yeah. done a literal all nighter? You study all night and then you go straight to your test. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> might, you might be able to do the test but you're not going to be able to remember it after well, that, that. That's a good point. For sure. That's a good yeah. point. So, okay, great. <laughs> Movie's called Inside Ace Out. that one. Inside oh, Out. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, the feelings. Yeah, the little, and the little ball yeah. goes yeah, through yeah. the long term. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. It's that's based on one. science. <laughs> it's, it is, though. Yeah, yeah. science-ish. That's crazy. 40% deficit in new memory. Yeah, so in that study, but the fact is it was significant. Wow. Wow. I guess uh, moving on to other, other aspects of it. Yeah. So uh, in terms of just mental dysfunction, and, and in particular, he cited dementia and Alzheimer's, um, lack of sleep just furthers the impact of cognitive decline as we age. We know this. Mm -hmm. So so as we age and we basically our sleep patterns typically worsen, mm -hmm. it's, it's again, it's the opposite of what we need. Mm -hmm. And he refer, uh, someone referred to sleep as being basically the elixir of life and basically the closest thing we're ever going to get to to uh, living forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a lot of people say, well, I only need six. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a book called Why We Sleep. That's really, I highly recommend that. Um, and that there's, this is anecdotal, but he mentions a couple of famous people, Ronald Reagan, and I think Margaret Thatcher, who always said, I don't need to sleep that much, five hours. I'm gonna, you know, I'm hardworking. Sure. There's like a badge of honor that's put with not sleeping a lot. Oh. Yeah, yeah, B oh, because it makes you feel as if you're doing more than the other person. And if you sleep too much, you're lazy. Exactly, but yeah. um, both of these people uh, had, I'm not sure, I think dementia. Dementia includes Alzheimer's, yeah. so dementia when they got older. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, I don't want to, when you're 70, you know, start having your brain no, go away. there's a strong, strong correlation. Exactly, oh, yeah. and I, I'm not sure if it's exactly proven, but there's a strong correlation between um, I, I you should dig up a handful of studies in no time. There's mm -hmm. enough information that you should sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then uh, in terms of DNA, so, you know, actually our genetic makeup makes us who we are. Um, lack of sleep erodes DNA. Mm -hmm. one, one study they did was uh, s people who slept six hours a night versus people who slept eight hours a night, and they carried it out for one week. So we're just talking a two-hour difference. And what they saw was very different uh, types of gene regulation. So the, the genes that were upregulated uh, had to do with tumor promotion, chronic inflammation, cardiovascular disease, and then the genes that were down, uh, down regulated or the, basically the signals were turned off were that of the immune system. So the total opposite so, of what you'd want. Yeah, exactly. So not, not favorable in any case. So yeah. we get a we get an uptick in all the things we don't want and a downtick in all the things we actually need. Man. So and then, like I said, to tie into my my latest fascination, the immune system, um, there's something called natural killer cells. And then uh, Dr. Walker referred to them as immune assassins. I've actually heard that elsewhere too. And um, we have two types of or, or two levels or two types of an immune system are our innate and our adaptive. And it's basically our non-specific and our acquired. You know, okay. one's one's kind of at the front lines, then the other is developing the the cure, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and then so so you think of our immune system in terms of leukocytes or our white blood cells. And there are lots of types of uh, leukocells, or I'm sorry, leukocytes. But within them, there are lymphocytes, and, and with our in, innate immune system, there's three of these types of uh, lymphocytes. So there's uh, 
T cell, uh, B cell, and then these NK cells, these natural killer cells. And what's important about these is they, they play a major role in both virus response and in tumor suppression or, or recognizing tumors and dispensing with them. Huh. So what's especially cool about them is that even in the absence of antibodies in something called the MHC, which is the major histochemical or histocompatibility complex, these things that basically tell our immune system or help us help our immune system distinguish self from non-self, these, th these don't even have to be present and these cells catch onto it because they can sense stressed cells. Huh. So in doing so, we get a more rapid immune response. And these B cells and these T cells from the adaptive system that come in later mm -hmm. actually get to formulate their game plan while these guys are kind of addressing the initial threat. Mm. So what happens is, is, is they, they basically serve to contain the infection while the adaptive system eventually clears the infection. And the, the study that he cites in particular was that doing having four hours of sleep in only one night showed a 70% drop in these uh, natural killer cell activity. Jeez. So the point is our immune system over just one crappy night's sleep takes a severe hit. And we wonder why athletes are you know, sick all the time. I mean, we're, we're already Im immunologically fragile. Yeah. And then we throw low sleep into the mix on top of all the stress we're piling onto our bodies. And, and it's- uh, <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? It's a bad situation. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy to think when that one was six to eight hours that there was a noticeable difference. Because yeah, that's, so just a two-hour drop. Okay? Yeah, because I feel like that's like a window where a lot of people feel like I'm totally good. Um, but the, the the principle is here, the more you can get, the better you are. To yep, certain and then what's thing. really interesting, so that, that was a two-hour decrement, right, over the course of a mm -hmm. week. Well, Daylight Savings offers us a, an opportunity every year to basically conduct this experiment on, on both sides yeah. of it, right? We get an extra night or an extra hour of sleep one night, and then we get one hour less yeah. one night. Not too many people can modify their schedules to accommodate this change. So they simply have to deal with it. Yep. Get to sleep an extra hour or have to get up an hour early. So we're talking 1.6 billion people, seven countries twice a year. And what do we see? Dr. Walker pointed out that 24%, we see a 24% increase in heart attacks <laughs> when we lose that hour. When yeah. we gain an extra hour, we see a 21% decrease in heart That's attacks. Nuts. And this relation carries to car accidents, suicides, and a number of other causes of death. Things. Yeah. Wow. So in, from in, just an hour's difference. The research that I've seen, the, the minimum that everyone should get is eight hours. If you're getting less than eight hours, adjust your schedule so you can get more than eight hours yeah. or at least eight hours. But if you're an athlete, you might need more than eight. Yeah. Uh, you could need nine and then some pros sleep 10. Yep. I, I, may, I haven't heard of 11, but I'm sure there are some that do 11. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, not, I'm not sure. I've seen criticism before that talks about how you can oversleep and the impacts it has on cognition. And I, but what else? I mean, so maybe you don't think as sharply. I have to, yeah, I can only sure. believe that it would extend your lifespan. Yeah. I have not met a person over 30 who's like, I just sleep too much. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. When I was a teenager, happens. I slept like 12 hours, yeah. but I was growing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And I know that from like, uh, you know, Sophia Keegan, they have a house full of pro athletes. They sleep a whole lot more than I do. That's for sure. I'm not used to that. They have to. They, they have, have to. There's no way they're going to perform at that level consistently. Throw a crying baby in there. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. It's, it's flip everything over. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, for sure. and then and then um, as it relates to the prevalence of cancer, in particular bowel, prostate, and breast, the link is so strong between these, between cancer and the or between these types of cancer and lack of sleep that the World Health Organization has deemed certain forms of shift work probable carcinogens. That's crazy. They actually, that's what they're labeled now. That's what they are. Lose sleep, that's a carcinogen, or you know, work a, a, a tough work schedule such that mm -hmm. your sleep is perpetually or repeatedly disrupted. Huh you're opening yourself up to certain types of cancer. It's crazy. More so than, than other folks. And then, so the gist of this all is simply that shorter, shorter sleep equals shorter life. 
Shorter sleep predicts all-cause mortality. Yeah. And what's of great importance is there's no banking sleep. I mean, there is, and I know some people are going to throw these studies at me, so I'm going to go ahead and hedge off. That Tristan Martin, PJ Arnold, 2018, 2016, respectively, they both did a couple of studies, and what they found was that you can bank sleep in anticipation of sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And what they got from that was improved performance and quicker recovery. So in that case, they just made it a little earlier bedtime, a little later rise time, and they nap throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And they bank sleep in anticipation of, I think, like week-long races sort of thing, times mm-hmm. where they, they knew they weren't going to be sleeping much, race across America perhaps. Right. That sort of thing, they saw, they saw benefits from it, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is people who deny themselves ample sleep and then think they can catch up at some point. It's repaying the debt. They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you, you can't You do simply that. can't. There's nothing. There's nothing to support. You can compensate for lack of sleep. I with felt, additional sleep down the road. I felt that too after taking all like an all nighter. Uh, then uh, I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I'm able to sleep for a day. Then feel like you know a million bucks thereafter. That's not how it well. works. And even if you do feel refreshed that next day, you still have done damage you're that done damage. you're never going to see. I yep. mean, you, you'll see it someday in a, in a way. <laughs> you're right. So let's let's talk recommendations. Yeah. R- really briefly. Um, so his point, Dr. Walker's main point was that regularity is king. Go mm-hmm. to bed at the same time, get up at the same time. Doesn't re- doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You don't sleep in on the weekends. You don't stay up late on the weekends. Maintain regularity mm-hmm. as Makes best sense. you can. And then, of course, avoid alcohol and caffeine. Caffeine's a no-brainer. Alcohol, it's really tough not to have a glass of wine at dinner or more. I, and, and, and I have <laughs> I have a very... Every morning, so Amaranth and I use the same sleep apps. She has a glass of wine, I kill the bottle. So I, <laughs> yeah. I have more than she does. Yeah. And consistently, her sleep rating, it's the same app position in the same position on the nightstand relative to room. our bodies in the same yeah. room. And she's consistently 20% improved sleep score over mine. Al- alcohol messes with your NREM sleep. Mm-hmm. And so like you think that you're sleeping better with alcohol no, or nightcap will help you It's like to melatonin. Bed. It gets you to sleep. It doesn't keep you there. It, it's, it's worse it's than the melatonin. Op- it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's worse. Uh, we'll talk mm-hmm. about melatonin in a second. But yeah, it's alcohol. It makes it so like you're less efficient at your sleep. So I mm-hmm. uh, can't stress it enough. You think you're getting eight hours, but you're drinking. Mm. You're killing yourself. It's garbage. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. And along these lines, too, on the caffeine side of things, you talked about stage racing earlier mm-hmm. and, you know, the importance of sleep and stage racing, hugely important. Sure. Um, but th- and that's why you'll see a lot of people that they do not supplement with caffeine in a stage race. And and it's for that reason. If they have later they races, that sort of sleep. stuff. Sure. If it's outside of their normal routine. So... Okay, and then on top of that, um, the body requires about a two to three per, uh, three degree Fahrenheit, that is, drop to initiate and maintain sleep. Mm. So you have to be cooler. So, I mean, I know some people sleep cold, some people sleep hot, but the fact is the body has to experience a decrease in body temp. So the recommendation is typically 65 degrees Fahrenheit, 18 Celsius. So, so a cool room mm-hmm. and then sleep aids, really, really anything other than maybe melatonin that we're talking about. Um, Dr. Walker specifically referred to as blunt instruments that do not produce naturalistic sleep hmm. and they don't. And there's plenty of, plenty of data to support that. So mm-hmm. it's just like with alcohol, you think, oh, I feel sleepy. I get to sleep really quick. I must be sleeping really well. Uh, it's not the case. It's not natural sleep. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll talk about melatonin now. Um, melatonin can help kick you off to sleep, but it won't make you sleep any better. And if you are going to do melatonin, it's very important to do a very, very slight dose. So mm. 0.5 milligrams is really probably the max you want to do. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of them will be five milligrams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens is you'll have this rebound effect where you'll get to sleep, <laughs> then you'll wake up at like three in the morning. And this happened to me for 
I did this on my last red eye. Like a wake awake. Yeah. Wake awake. I did for like six months or a year. I didn't know why I was waking up like three in the morning. <laughs> and just, I just tell them early rising. You're ready to go, but you're not getting the, the eight hours that you need. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I recently did do it on the trip to Portugal because I was like, okay, I'm going to have five hours of sleep because you're on a red eye. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be ramped up in the morning so I could adjust my sleep schedule. And that was on purpose to take five milligrams mm-hmm. so that I would get that did rebound. Did it work as you oh, yeah. anticipated? Really? Yeah. Because I, you land at eight in the morning. But you leave at like nine o'clock at night and you only have like a six hour flight. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, uh, if you do take too much, you'll recognize that very thing. It's pretty annoying. Yeah. So don't, and I wouldn't rely on it long term. I would, uh, I would cycle it and I've read different literature and heard different doctor recommendations if you need to cycle or not, but I wouldn't use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've looked into a lot of this too. Um, I mean, because, and we've covered yeah. this somewhat before with your process of going through and getting surgeries like with ENTs and going through and sleep studies and everything else like that. Do we want to talk about sleep apnea or good sleep hygiene first? How about good sleep hygiene first? Because yeah, then yeah. we can go into sleep apnea. We're still a bit separate. Totally. Okay. First, these are things that probably everyone should know, but we're just going to listen to all at once. Mm-hmm. One, no blue light at night. So screens. And Screen time. Yep. Uh, so you can get, I don't know, this is the one I don't I don't follow. And so the, uh, <laughs> iOS, I think Android has it. Uh, OSX has it. There's a Flux app that can reduce the blue light. Or a night shift mode. Night shift, yep. You can have glasses on that are like yellow tinted and you're supposed to block blue, blue light. Blue blockers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although that might be doing some good, there's the, uh, the argument that your brain is working in a way that is not conducive mm-hmm. to going to sleep. So the, the best recognition everyone talks about is reading a book. Yep. And mm-hmm. a, not a Kindle, but a book. And ideally not in bed. Yep. yep. Bed Once should be for sleeping or other sleeping stuff. Sleeping only. Yep. If, you're, if you're a tosser and turner, if you experience bouts of insomnia, get out of bed, go somewhere else to get sleepy again. Bed is the place where you sleep and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's very important. Um, another one that people don't do as well is lots of early light. So mm. um, with your circadian rhythm, the earlier you get light in the morning, like sunlight, real sunlight, the better it is for you. This is where you get that kind of blue light. So when we worked in the basement, Chad and I actually had daylight lights. And if you work, if you live in Alaska where it's going to be dark most of the time mm-hmm. or really north in Canada, um, you can get lights in your desks. My sister has them even in their house. All the bulbs in their house, they've switched them over for yeah. that. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So one thing I do but is... she lives in Alaska. <laughs> when, when I drive to work in the morning, I don't wear sunglasses mm-hmm. because I want... Mm-hmm. It's right in the morning, sun's up. I want some uh, that light into my eyes so that, that I... Um, impact my circadian rhythm in a positive in- way so that I am sleepier earlier at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, no late workouts. We've talked about this before. We just had a race on Tuesday. Man, oh, it just winds you up. The race ends at 8 o'clock. It's so hard to go to sleep. It's so on to to fire. Sleep. Your brain's firing on all cylinders. It's, it's far from optimal. It's tough. Um, don't drink too much water before bed. Uh, I think a lot of people like to drink tea or something. That'll also raise your core temperature. But uh, older guys, you're up a thousand times a night. Mm-hmm. Don't drink a bunch of water. Um, it's tough, especially when you get that late night workout. You can either wake up really dehydrated or uh, <laughs> yeah. wake up a bunch in the night. So you, that's another reason not to do a late night workout. <laughs> yep. Talk about the cool room. Um, eye mask. I think Chad and I both do that. Yeah. I do too. It's imperative. Yep. Huge help. Uh, especially in the summertime, the sun might be coming up before you want to wake up. And uh, on that light, I think we talked about it too, even light hitting your legs. I've got blackout curtains. Yeah, we did can, yep. touch on that a while can back. Adjust even your sleep. if there's Surprising. an LED. Yeah, I think they shined an LED on just a portion of a person's leg yeah. or something like, like that. Like behind their knees yep, or something. behind their knee. That was and it. they saw a difference, I guess, an Affecting increase. Affecting their sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you want to eliminate all light. So you don't want a bedside table with a light. I got a little phone charger. I put electrical tape over the yep. light. Yeah, um, yep. 
Because that, that's All the thing. Things. We have so many devices now in a room. Usually, just a lot of sources for light. Mm -hmm. So you want to get rid of those those lights and then put your phone on do not disturb. So even if you think, oh, it doesn't wake me up at night, if it brightens up a yeah. bunch of times during the night, that's going to be disturbing you, even if you're not aware of it. I so take my watch off when I sleep for oh, yeah. that reason. Yeah. So uh, again, an eye mask will help, mm -hmm. but it's best to have the whole room dark and do the eye mask too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, earplugs. Uh, I recently found like I never was putting them in right. I don't know. There's like <laughs> we discussed this. Yeah, we discussed this yeah. somewhere, but yeah. not on the podcast yet. Yeah, yeah we so. should say it because somebody may be doing it wrong. Um, so what is what I used to do? I used to twirl it up. These are traditional foam earplugs. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I I twist it up, put it in my ear, and kind of push it in, and that's what it would be like. Mm -hmm. I did yeah. this for years. Yeah, gotta get the ear canal. Then one time, yes. I, I did it just in a certain angle, and the, this is the key part, is the angle. Yes. Is it slid deep into the ear canal so much so that it kind of hurt? Like when you put a, a Q-tip yeah, in there, don't then go I too far. brought yeah. it back out. Yeah. The amount of sound that it blocks, it's like so it's, you five can, times. You can lift your ear up and kind of snug it in, or you can just find the... I worked at a car wash for a couple summers, and we had to wear earplugs, and you got really good at taking them in, uh, or putting them in, taking them out. But the it, it it just has to get in there. It'll it'll be just like quality earbuds. If you have proper earbuds in, when you cough, you it's really loud inside, but you don't hear it much outside. Yep. It's that yep. whole phenomenon. I can snap my fingers and not hear it. Exactly. Yep. Which if you don't put them in right, you can't get it. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. The, right. The a couple catches with this that I haven't experienced is that. One, if I have both earplugs in, I I can't hear. It, a lot of noises take on. You can't hear, yes. Yeah, that, that's well, the point, Chad. <laughs> it, it is, but at the same time, if I hear foreign noises, it, yeah. it disrupts my sleep because I'm not sure what I'm hearing. So I get a little uh, anxious. Yeah. Secondly, I have tinnitus, pretty bad. Over the years, a lot of music shows. So I, mm -hmm. I've neglected my hearing, and because of it, I put two headphones or two earphones in. Sorry, ear uh, plugs. Earplugs. It's it's unbearable. So I can only do one, and then I sleep on the side that, or I try to sleep on the side that doesn't have the earplug. One thing that I've noticed, I, I should look at the brand that I get, but I only get like this one specific one, and I always get it from Walgreens, the the pharmacy. But they're ones that that don't block everything quite as well as some because yeah. they're like There's shooting different ones. Yeah. So you can, yeah, and yeah. I get those ones because I've noticed that if I put both of them in, and I don't know if this is tinnitus or whatever, but when I put both of them in, it almost becomes so silent that any, it oh, really becomes like deafening. Tinnitus. You know? I, tinnitus so, is a ringing, just a constant Yeah, ringing. exactly. Yeah. And in this case, it becomes so silent that my body <laughs> is like peaked up and everything I becomes, wish. it's like the internal noises become amplified. So. so I actually, I have to put, I do wear an Apple Watch while I sleep and I put it on do not disturb in theater mode because I won't hear my alarm clock in the morning mm. with the earplugs in. That's another mm -hmm. concern, yeah. Yep, so it'll tap me on the wrist, which is kind of a cool so way to, to wake up. you wear your watch, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, which you can get used to with wearing the watch yeah. for sure. Uh, next tip is, this is a new one, a weighted blanket. If you're it's, not a hot sleeper. No, huh? I was a hot sleeper, and, well, I am a hot sleeper. I got a weighted blanket. My wife got it for me. It's actually cooler than my regular blanket. Yeah, they kind of designed them to be cooler than a lot of standard blankets. I just yeah. sleep with a sheet. Yeah. So this like is a like a blanket would be. Wow. Warmer. Make it colder in your house. <laughs> it is cold. <laughs> I'm a hot sleeper, man. Um, it's, they're, it's amazing. It feels like you're getting a nice hug <laughs> and uh, it can help with anxiety and stuff like that. But I just find, mm -hmm. you just feel comfy. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a part, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you feel, I feel like Chad's giving me a nice hug. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's what the chillo does. Um, you should show everyone the chillo as I, I say. So, come on, do it. Yeah, um, yeah. so the, slash chillo. I believe it's still up. So. <laughs> oh, God. I hope not. Um, <laughs> but it, it, yeah. So it, it, 
it makes it feel like you have a whole bunch of blankets on you, but it's not, uh, it's not super insulative. It's yeah, it's cool. Uh-huh. At least the one that I got. And I would say get as heavy as you can. It feels super heavy at first, but then now I'm like, oh, I could use even more. <laughs> yeah. Bigger hug. Yeah. Um, so that's it on the like the tips. Did I miss any tips? No, They're I think kind that of those are hygiene. all good ones that, that, I, that we all do. What about sleep apnea? Because okay. you've looked into that a lot because you suffer from that. Yes. Okay. So my notes on sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is when you stop breathing at night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a obstructed airway. And there could be different reasons throat collapsing, a bunch of stuff, tongue in the way. People um, constantly associate this with being overweight, but you don't have to be overweight to experience yep, people, this. You, obese uh, people and usually older men, what they think of. And they think you have to be snoring. Um, huh. I'm, I, I think I'm not any of the three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am 37 sleeping, now, so. <laughs> but 34 was when uh, I think yeah. I got diagnosed. <laughs> so here's what happens if you have sleep apnea. Um, you can have high risk for high blood pressure, heart disease, sexual dysfunction, weight gain, stroke, depression. Sounds terrible. Right. Yeah. Like you don't want any of those things. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's especially if you're trying to be an ap- athlete and you're constantly choking oh, yeah. at night. So what are the signs? Since you're sleeping, you probably don't really know. So what are the signs that you would have? Yeah. So one like is if you wake up in the morning with a headache, mm-hmm. that's you're like oxygen deprived. So if you wake up every morning in a headache and it's not due to dehydration, um, you might want to talk to a doctor, a pulmonologist about sleep apnea, uh-huh. um, snoring while sleeping. That's a huge one. Uh-huh. If you're snoring, um, gasping for air. This is how I actually found out about it. My wife would said that she would hear me like <gasps> wake up in the middle of the night gasping, yeah. no snoring, just gasping. Yep. And I would wake up a lot. Um, also no, no dreams. I've got to put this one down, but I didn't, I had nothing but nightmares for about eight years. Wow. Crazy, huh? That sounds terrible. Like, no regular <laughs> dreams. Yeah. And then sometimes I would, but they'd just be nightmares. Huh. Now that I'm on my CPAP, um, which is the constant pressure, uh, I forget the actual thing, but it just mm-hmm. shoots air into your nose. Yeah. Um, I have regular dreams anymore. Huh. Um, That's amazing. The other signs can be like if you have uh, tonsils, that's one reason I got my tonsils out. That can do it. Um, mm-hmm. A larger tongue, a more narrow jaw. So I have a larger tongue, no narrow, more narrow jaw, and tonsils. Um, <laughs> it's the perfect story. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's even like so you can to to fix this. There's a dental device that you can wear. Oh, let me talk about the most common one. Most common one is CPAP machine. Um, some people find them super annoying. I don't find it super annoying, but it is annoying. You got to travel with it. I have to tape my mouth shut or else I get a leak out of my mouth. And if I get a full face mask, it just always leaks when I sleep on my side. So, And the reason that you tape your mouth is because otherwise your mouth gets really dry because it's forcing air in. It wakes me up. Okay. So Got air it. goes through my nose. When I relax, um, my, uh, my throat relaxes and it would go out my mouth. Got it. When I got my sleep study, I would actually get in this state where I would relax and would always be right wanting to get into REM sleep. So that's why I was never getting REM sleep. <laughs> um, Oh, uh, okay. So the next one you can do is a dental device. Uh-huh. And what this does is this is, uh, you can go to a dentist and this is for people who are non-compliant on CPAPs is it, it's this device that you wear and it moves your jaw forward and moving your jaw forward is supposed to open your airway. Makes sense. Um, and this is for obstructive sleep apnea. There's also one that's called central sleep apnea. This is where your brain tells you to stop breathing. That's separate. <laughs> Um, Gosh. I'm not talking about that. That's, Stop that brain. I know that's <laughs> more rare terrible, yeah. and they can detect that too through a sleep study. Wow. Um, and if you go have this, you'll know what it is. But hmm. so I, for a while had the dental device, mouth taped and CPAP earplugs, <laughs> eye masks. <laughs> Uh, you saw me. Oh, oh, Did yeah. you see me? I remember I went into the room and I saw it and I was like, ah, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it was like all covered up in machines. Want to see that. And yeah, yeah it so it's it's no good. And yeah, I stopped yeah. using the, I didn't notice any improvement with the 
dental device and yeah. it gave me a lisp mm. and every morning my teeth would be out of whack mm. and it would be it would hurt to like Jaw bite sore. down oh, yeah. it was out of line yeah. i didn't like it hmm. um, another one that's more experimental that has it today is this implant they put an, an implant in your chest and you put this thing on it, like a puck on it, and it's got a battery, and it shoots, shoots electrical impulses to your tongue, and it pushes your tongue forward. No, oh, that sounds crazy. Really? Oh, yeah. Boy. Yeah, that's so that's sketchy. That is more, um, I, don't, I don't know if it's experimental or not, but it's, it's new, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrifying. No, uh, thank you. To me, I was like, I don't know, I might still look into this because- It's got to be incredibly low voltage. It's, I'm sure it's it not is. painful. It's People say they can up. kind of feel it when they wake up, but uh, I think like you do it and then it starts after like 20 or 30 minutes. Hmm. But for some people, like I can't lose, I mean, I could lose some more weight, but I'm not going to, my, my not, weight, my neck has no fat on it. You are far from obese. I know, so I can't, <laughs> mine's more structural and there's not many things I can do to change yeah. my, um, some people actually get jaw surgery to hmm. increase it. Really? Yeah. That, that's a little, sorry. You, no one knew anything about this with sleep apnea, but yeah. you can get jaw surgery. If you have, if you're um, one of those people that have that, those like jaws that kind of are, get tucked in almost, yes, you know, yeah. it's like, um, uh -huh. it's usually not the most attractive look in Western. You have an, you have an overbite. Yeah. Usually yeah. Or no, underbite. It's like in, oh, yeah, under your jaws yeah. underneath. Yeah. You can get a surgery and they'll actually increase it. And, um, some, some, uh, Medication won't, uh, or not medication, um, insurance won't do it because it's also considered plastic surgery because usually your appearance. So it's elective. Yes, yeah. it looks more mm, classical, masculine look. Yeah. But yeah. that could be another sign that you could have sleep apnea if you have that. And if you really have no other symptoms, that might be a great way to go because one, you'll look better. But two, you won't have to do these machines forever because yeah. the machines are annoying. Yeah. Um, and just for people who have sleep apnea, for me, uh, my AHI, which is how many times you stop breathing during an hour mm -hmm. on my side was 17, which is mild, um, but on my back, it jumped to 66. Wow. So if I get on my back in the middle of the night, that's when I was in trouble. Hmm. And you can, there's all these devices. There's, the sleep apnea thing is huge. You could like have these wedges or these tennis balls in your shirts. So you don't get on your back. You kind of get woken up each time and you move over. Hmm. But um, <laughs> I just get the air shot in my nose. Wow. That's crazy. Ooh. So I'm going to recap this one. This one's actually going to be pretty easy to recap. Sleep is extremely important. Eight hours. And eight hours is what you want to shoot for. Definitely. Yeah, at least. Uh, naps are awesome. Even uh, you can incorporate that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, when we talk about all the different ways to improve sleep, there's a whole list of them. Um, and you can search. There's so many different resources on this sort of there thing. There are and a particularly good one is startsleeping.org. Perfect. And, and why we sleep the book. And then coming back to the original question that we have here, um, in this case from David, don't look at sleep as a spot where you can sacrifice so then you can fit in more training uh, because not only will your training suffer, but your quality of life also, as we discussed ad nauseum here, <laughs> will also suffer. So please, uh, please don't sacrifice that. It's super tempting for all of us athletes to do that because we feel like we can do more than we feel like we're more efficient or we're better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact is we're not taking care of ourselves like we should. So that's the recap. Okay. And to Matt's well question, he says, coaches, my question has to do with riding technique, specifically long, fast descents on the road. No racing for me, but I try to do a handful of notable grand fondos each year to keep the motivation high. This year, I just completed the Belgian waffle ride, and I'm also signed up for the triple bypass in Colorado and six gap in Georgia. Right. Both of them are over 10,000 feet of climbing and descending. 
I know that practice makes perfect, but here's the caveat. I live on the west coast of Florida, and even if we can get to 5,000 feet over 100 miles up in our, and he says in quotes, hills, there are no descents that last longer than 10 seconds and no speeds over 40 miles an hour. I found that at Belgium Waffle Ride, the climbing was not an issue at all thanks to lots of trainer road workouts. Sweet. Nice job. He says, but it was the descents that I struggled with. One particular descent was five miles, no shoulder, guardrail, traffic was there, it was windy, and it had a significant drop on one side. Are there any, <laughs> Nate's just thumbs down all over the place. He says, are there any tips to dealing with this? 30 miles per hour on that descent felt way out of my comfort zone when I have issue, when I have no issues at all riding over 35 miles an hour when it's flat. Yes, that is rare, but still. I'm not looking to complete in any or to compete in any of these rides, just be more comfortable on the descents. I've looked towards Google and it seems like there are a lot of others with similar trepidations. So tips for this sort of a thing. It's kind of funny. Chad and I were just talking before recording <clears throat> about bench cut single track and bench cut single <laughs> more thumbs down from Nate bench cut single track is basically if you're looking at a mountain sideways and so you you can see the incline of the slope the single track is cut into that slope like it's a little L that's basically cut into that slope and right? it's so steep that you can sit on it like a bench your feet hang off yep exactly uh, so on one side you have a steep grade why everyone <laughs> <laughs> so it's just to get to point A to point B sometimes yeah. it has to happen right so, but the interesting bed cut, <laughs> California Kings, yeah, California yeah, Kings, yeah, yeah. fire road. The interesting thing is when you ride on your bike and I don't know if this can help anybody, but my, my wife and I, she's, she's getting more into mountain biking now. And we just had this talk cause we were on a bench cut trail. And when she rides on the road or when she rides at any other point, she rides in a straight line mm -hmm. and that doesn't really deviate that much, maybe six inches to 12 inches, maybe in, in lateral variation. Right. And the trails that we're on when they're bench cut, they're probably three feet wide, two feet wide, and they're really narrow, maybe even four feet wide. But because of what we're seeing to the outside of that, we panic. Even though we could totally ride on that trail, if you took away the bench cut and you just made it perfectly flat on the other side, no. it wouldn't bother you. I've crashed right? on, I've gone off bench cut. Yeah, of course. It's that's, but the thing. I can't ride that straight. <laughs> but you can ride on a normal trail or a road. You can ride in the bike lane for an extended period of time, right? Bike lane's bigger than some of this stuff. Yeah. But I get what I'm getting at is the point is it's a, what you have to separate. And I feel like you have to do this to be able to systematically approach this and kind of break it down is you have to approach the fact that it's wide enough for you to be safe. And that what's on the sides doesn't matter unless you go there, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's easier said than done. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but at the but same I mean, time, you stand at the, the, at the know, top say, of a parking say, garage and dangle your foot off. That's terrifying. Sure. But if you stand on the curb onto a street, it's not, it's not, and it's effectively the same thing. I mean, the consequences are obviously far greater, but right. that's the difference. Yeah. But that, but what I'm getting at is you have <laughs> that's to, exactly the difference, but what I'm getting is you have to break that down to at least give yourself the fact that to, to help yourself realize that you can ride on this road just fine. You can straight. do it. You can do it. It's a rational that's fear, the point. but you have to address it. You have to, Yeah. and uh, I mean, experience, it comes as a matter of experience. I mean, you talked about being comfortable at 35 miles per hour on a flat road, but 30 miles per hour down a hill scares you. Mm -hmm. That's just because you're not familiar with going down a hill. I mean, you could, you could be just as com comfortable 35 miles per hour downhill as you can on that flat road. It's just a question of doing it exposure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is you putting yourself in the environment to be able to experience that, like a Belgian waffle ride, you mentioned that one descent, that sort of a thing, even though that is frightening for you, if you can be present in that moment and try to break it down and go at your own pace, that feels comfortable. 
if that means going 15 miles an hour, 10 uh, miles an hour, well, that's the other it, thing. Okay. You're not comfortable at 30 miles per hour. So get comfortable with 20 miles per hour yeah, and gradually exactly. nudge it up over time. I, I, I've talked about this before. I start every season having done everything indoors and I go outdoors my first couple of rides, I need to knock off five miles per hour on the descents to feel comfortable. Yep. But soon enough, I'm right back up to the speeds I'm, I'm used to. Only do that too. If you have disc brakes, I pop tires. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't just drag your brakes. Yeah. The whole if your rim brakes too, especially cause you can pop your inner tube. I don't know yeah. if tubeless, there's any issue, but yeah, tubeless totally is too. Yeah. And I mean, and if you do that, even with disc brakes, it's always a good idea to pump your brakes, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So have periods of braking that are more intense where you will slow down below the speed that you are comfortable at riding. And then you'll let go and then you'll, you know, rise above that speed and then you'll brake again. Cause that gives the rotors and the pads and the fluid, everything else time to be able to cool off uh, or your rims if you have rim brakes. But the, the point is, if you do feel uncomfortable going down these descents, and your goal is to get more comfortable with them, you're in the right place to get comfortable with it by being on that descent. Just if you don't feel comfortable going that fast, then slow down right. and, and be patient with yourself. It's going to come. Uh, I mean, I experience this anytime, anytime I've gone to Whistler, British Columbia, and I come across the trails that have skinnies, mm -hmm. which are like the wooden planks. Yep. And when, same phenomenon. Whenever I see a wooden plank, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to fall off this and die. Right. Like that's instantly like the thought process in my mind, yeah. even if it's a foot off the ground. Right. We add on that, that level of consequence. Yeah, and chances are you're making those crucial mistakes too. You're not looking at the skinny. You're looking off to the sides of the skinny so, where you don't want to go, but that's where your attention is. And that's where the bike ends up going. Yep. And even if it doesn't, you save it and it's sloppy and it's terrifying when it's really just a straight shot across. Yeah. So you make it something it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And the things that I remind myself of in those moments are usually when I ride a single track, I ride on probably a narrower line. In other <laughs> words, like my tires trace a narrower line than this plank of wood that I'm on or whatever this narrow trail is. Yeah. So number one, I say, you can do this. And that's what helps me do that. But then thereafter, when I go through and that sort of a thing, if I don't feel comfortable, I don't push myself over my limits. If I don't feel comfortable, I'll skip that wooden plank or I'll skip that section. I'll walk that section. That's okay. Um, I think that this is something that we realized with Lee McCormick when we worked with him. If you get to a point where your level of arousal and what we mean by that is like your level of, of, of excitement, adrenaline, everything else that's ramping up, if it's too high, you can't learn from the experience at all. You like block everything off. And you experienced that, Nate, uh, when we were training oh, yes. with him. Yeah. You got all to the time. <laughs> yeah. but you, I probably will today. <laughs> <laughs> you got to that point where you were like, <clears throat> it's too much. And yeah. I can't absorb from this anymore. You're like a sponge that's full, mm -hmm. right? So you need to bring it back down. So that's one thing that I would say is just as far as on roads like this, you're doing the right thing by riding in this sort of terrain. Just like pick roads, for example, if you have the choice, pick roads that have guardrails, that have bigger bike lanes yeah. if you can. And that's where you'll want to pick up your comfort level. Um, and, yeah. So yeah. when he has the opportunity to actually ride downhills, he can practice sure. riding downhills. But problem is he doesn't have that opportunity very often. Mm -hmm. Since I am the, I feel like on your guys' most scared day is still way less than right. my less scared day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So I giving, see what you mean. It's Probably. like a skinny person giving a considering the look on your face most of how, the time. To, how to lose weight. It was like, okay, I, I, you're, you're a very serious. You're like, writer. be active, <laughs> eat less. And everyone's like, oh, great. I just have to look where I have to go. Is that it, guys? Right. I mean, that just was, don't go where you don't want to go. Right. right. A few things. One, uh, lower tire pressure. It just makes you feel like you're going slower because it's smoother. So that really helps reduce some of the fear. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Two, since you're in Florida corner hard and flat races. So just recently, no one ever told me this. You should feel like the road is pushing you back when you corner. Uh -huh. 
Why don't you guys tell me this? No one ever told me this. I don't know. I've never thought of telling somebody to search for that feeling. I've never cornered hard enough, like descending, where I feel like the road's pushing back because when I get to that point, I get scared and I stop. Remember when we were talking? I never thought about it that way. Yeah, I've never thought of it about about that. I read a blog post about it because I read everything about it. Yeah. Overanalyze. Remember when we were talking about a previous episode with Keegan Swenson about when he was carving turns on a cyclocross bike at Cross Vegas and he was talking about how the bike hooked underneath him kind of? Yeah. That's the feeling that you're talking about. Yeah. But I get that in mountain biking and I've had that happen in mountain biking. It feels amazing where Mm -hmm. it hooks up, but Mm -hmm. it's the road where it pushes back. Mm. Uh, and that's how you get through the turn. Similar it's, principle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, flex in the bike, and then it's giving it back to you. It's, it's a physics fail. for normal force, right? The exactly. Pushing up. So um, I had this recently in some crits where you're in a group, and you got a corner. If you don't, you're going to take everyone out, including yourself. Yep. And um, that has really helped me, too, is if you can get that feeling going 25, 30 on a flat crit or oh, a flat yeah. corner. So what I would do is set up cones and practice doing those tight turns so you get that feeling of getting pushed back because then when you have that you can uh, corner harder descending and it doesn't feel like this crazy mm. new feeling you're familiar with exactly it. yep um, the next you just talked about it you got to build up to it uh, if I mean you get thrown into this no matter what ex- advice we mm-hmm. have you're just going to freak out during the moment you can't yeah. just be like look where you want to go and relax and you won't relax. Yeah. So you got to build up to it. This is your point. Can I add, can I add on to or just re- reinforce something that you just said there? Yeah. Um, it, on tight turns too, not just even at race pace, but f- before you start out your race, if you have a parking lot, uh, whatever it is, do some really tight figure eights. Don't go crazy fast. You don't need to at all. But I feel like when you get used to really tight turns, it makes turns that are out on the road seem very broad. Yeah, true. And that's something that you can do just before you ride to kind of recalibrate the brain, recalibrate the brain. Um, this is one thing now that I'm doing, and I think John is going to tell me not to do it. <laughs> but so when I'm descending now, I have the just into the turn, I have the just the slightest, slightest hip turn. So in mountain biking, you do a, pro, a, a bigger hip turn to where you're going. But just like I, I think of it as if I'm turning left, then my right hip, there's a pin in it, and I'm that's going to be the pivot point, and I'm going to turn my left hip back like two millimeters. You open your hips to the exit of the turn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it puts so much more weight on my outside foot, and it kind of gets my arms. It gets also puts more um, weight on the inside of my handlebar, and it feels a lot better. And if I don't do that, it feels kind of squirrely. No, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's anything hey. wrong with that. Yeah, and, and I think that when you weight the outside foot when you're in a turn, that should be a natural consequence of cue. that. Yeah, yeah. and yep. so you, like you've always heard weight the outside foot, and I'm sure this guy has too. But if you do that on top of it, yes. if you just turn it, then you get the natural consequence and it feels a lot better. It does. Uh, people have taught, and forgive the visual on this respect, because uh, I'll say it in one way, and I'm sure you can visualize it in a different way, but... I, well, I we saw will a, now. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I saw a mountain bike coach one time mention the fact that imagine your pelvis has a lightsaber extending from it and you it is pointing and cutting everything off in the turn. And mm. that's actually a really good way to think of it is because mm. your pelvis should be pointed at the exit like your of the hips turn. Are conveying a beam of light. Yep. Exactly right. Because that's the and and when you think of it and opening up that way into the turn, mm. I feel like it definitely makes it a more voluntary yeah, like yeah. action and it helps a lot. You know, the tour is about to be on. You watch the pro riders ascend and they do open their hips into the turn. The good ones. Yep. <laughs> yeah, watch out. <laughs> Even at the today. pro tour level, there's I'll yeah. today in the Daphne. Heck of a descender. Yeah. And he did exactly what we're describing right The here. last thing yep. that is not on road bikes enough, but I think will be yeah. dropper post. 
Man, you get of all these things, you get a dropper post, you will feel. I tell you, I used to like mock king. you, and then I had to ride my cross bike in yep. in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and I used that dropper post on every descent, and it was magical. It's everything, amazing. pretty much everything I say on this podcast, you guys mock me, <laughs> and then about a year to two years later, you're like. Guys, you heard of a dropper post on road bikes? Uh, They're amazing. A point adding to this is if you look at the recent race analysis video that we put up with Keegan Swenson, where we talked about how to win from a breakaway like he did Mm -hmm. in the Grand Junction off-road, you'll see Russell Finsterwall, which I promise you, he is a much better descender than all of us. He's incredibly good. But he's in that fat tire crit, and he's dropping his saddle hmm. when he's going through these turns. Uh, a top-level pro, right? Yeah. And and even when you see a lot of these guys pedaling when they're laying on the top tube on a road uh, bike, if they could drop their saddle, it would be so much so comfortable. Oh, yeah, and, and the control. And I mean, Descending it costs you so to, much control. Yeah, so uh, bike manufacturers, give us an option where I add an extra pound, mm-hmm. but – I can descend so much faster. Um, oh, yeah. I can uh, corner people, more quickly. People will eat that up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, yep. It's so eat it up, everybody. Uh, yep. some the recreational can... crowd for sure. The competitive crowd will come around to it. Exactly. The European right. crowd will eventually latch on yeah. a decade down the line. But the, really, the, <laughs> the recreational crowd is the big crowd. Yeah. I think that's yeah. where the majority of bikes get sold. And sorry for being the circle back guy, but I just want to go back to the opening the hips toward the turn. You'll see a lot of riders. It looks like they're intentionally opening up their knee kind of like a MotoGP rider, like a, like a guy that races that street hips, motorcycles. Though, right? And really what they're doing is they're opening up their hips. Their mm-hmm. knee happens to go out, but there's no point. The reason that guys on motorcycles put their knee out is because that's their gauge because yeah, they the rub is. it on the ground. And then they know that if it gets to the point where it's rubbing on the ground and their bike's touching it, they can't go any further. Cause yeah. then at that point they'll lose traction. Right. So cyclists, you're never needing to do that. You can't lean over that much. Unless you got a big old gut. (laughs) Exactly. So you're not leaning over. You're not putting your knee out for the same reasons a motorcyclist does. Your knee is coming out because your hips are rotating Mm -hmm. in that direction. If you look at the other knee, chances are that leg is pushing against the top tube, right? Because it's already tucking in. So it's just a natural consequence of that. You don't aim to throw your knee out. You just make sure that you're waiting that outside. And when you do that, your hips point to to the exit of the turn. Have we gone long? Do we need to skip uh, these or? No, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that we can cover just one more. Um, actually, let's cover two more. We're going to give people a little bit extra. We'll just okay. roll through them quick. We didn't do it one well, last we, week. We didn't start till 1130. Yeah, yeah we're, good. we're good. Jan's question says, do you see any problem with using 20-minute power from a race to update your FTP instead of doing the ramp test? I did a hard race on Sunday, the 19th of May, and we have the link to that race. And I'm not at all fresh enough for the ramp test on the following Tuesday. I haven't tried any workouts yet with the FTP that would have come from that 20 minute power from that race, but a 20 watt increase seems daunting for the upcoming sessions that I have on trainer road. A great podcast. So this is a really common one that we get from people. Should I just look at my race files and update it from there? Or should I actually take a ramp test? Do we happen to know what his threshold is? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming yeah. it's yawn, not Jan. I don't know. Oh yeah. Do forgive me. Yawn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're absolutely most likely right. Could be Jan too. But okay. in this case, yeah. 308 is the threshold. So 20% is a safe yeah. margin. It's mm-hmm. a big margin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a hefty one. So looking at the ride that he has, um, it, in, and I think that the important thing is you have to look at normalized power versus average power. If I went off of normalized power on something like, uh, we've talked about Pete Morris before he can have crazy normalized power for us for a short crit, right? Uh, he produces what they call NP busters. Mm-hmm. So if he was to use that, then that could be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend it. And if you're talking about using PRs from any sort of a sustained effort, that's when you're looking for to really get an idea of, of sustainable power. Cause that's what we're looking at with FTP. So usually you go off of average power. Yeah. So in this case, 20 minute average power. Yeah. If, he, if he has a solid block of 20 minutes where he held this 
then we can shift our concerns to other things. Yeah, which absolutely. Are, yeah, well, we should jump into them. First off, I mean, I, I think these are your notes largely, but yeah, uh, mm -hmm. so go ahead. Yeah, outdoor measuring discrepancy potential. There's a ton for that, right? Mm. So your indoor versus your outdoor devices. Um, let's say that you ride one bike inside, ride another bike outside, and that other bike outside always measures higher. Or yep. you use a smart trainer only inside, that sort of a thing. Uh, we see that commonly. Yep. Yeah. Did you zero your power meter? Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's actually the first question you ask yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Did you, Am uh, I working with good data? And did you see, even if you've zeroed it in the beginning, did you go from extreme temperature change? Because mm -hmm. while power meters do keep track of some drift, I've noticed that on days where I have huge temperature shifts that I do get weird data. It's, so I've talked to a few CEOs of power meter companies, and I say, do I, you know, the drift, do I need to recalibrate? They're like, just go ahead and recalibrate, like, <laughs> yeah. even though they have it in yeah. there. So yep. I do at stops and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're changing elevation. So for us, mm -hmm. our numbers down at sea level, whew, they are, they, they're awesome. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They feel so good. Yeah. But if I were to take that 20 minute average power and come back up at elevation, uh, you're not gonna be able to finish workouts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other thing that I can think of with this too is, uh, so that those are the kind of the caveats that I would say. Um, but then <clears throat> there's kind of a danger with, I think people wanting to be their absolute freshest and their peakest perfor performance, so to yeah. speak. You taper for, for this test. race, uh, you know, you did this big taper and you do it. Day-to-day <clears throat> -day training might not be the same. Yeah, exactly. so it's like tapering for your FTP assessment. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have your that. best day on your assessment day, which means everything's going to be harder. Everything's yeah. going to be worse than that day. You need to perform at that level every single day. Yeah, which is unrealistic. I mm -hmm. mean, there's going to be some fatigue involved at all time. So yeah. So I don't think that there's any need to be perfectly fresh. Now there's a difference between being having a normal amount of fatigue and having an excessive amount of fatigue. Clearly, yep. um, but in in the case of worrying about perfectly about being perfectly fresh, I don't yep. think it's warranted. I mean, we we carry some level of fatigue into every workout we do. I mean, the mm -hmm. only time we're completely fresh is if we nailed the taper. Oh that's yeah, that's really it. Yep. And you know, what's interesting too, is I've found, or I've done the ramp test back to back when we were testing this whole thing, I did ramp test on perfectly fresh days. Uh, and I did ramp test on moderately or normally fatigued days. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into it on the normally fatigued day going, I'm not going to be able to reproduce what I did two days ago when I felt fresh and I, and it didn't feel great, but I was still able to do it within one watt. So that, that goes to show, I mean, just, yeah. I guess that's speaking to the test itself and its way to be able to extract. Yeah, and if, and if you're really me. concerned that a bit of fatigue is going to affect your FTP assessment, just keep in mind that short power is what really suffers. The <laughs> longer power, you're still going to be very close to the mark. And, oh, unless yeah. again, it's excessive fatigue, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. And the ramp test has ways to filter through all of that anyway. So, so you really don't have to worry about it. And I guess using a personal best can kind of be like that. Like you might have a huge day or like a really good day, chainless mm -hmm. days, as they say. Yeah. And then you're like, my new FTP, it was 300, <laughs> but now it's 365. I'm sticking with it. It can be dangerous. Especially too, if you have uh, lots of like a high level of caffeine, you might have carb oh, loaded yeah. and mm -hmm. done like beet juice or something, which maybe not with the caffeine might have increased performance. But mm -hmm. uh, if you're not doing those every day in training, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't do oh, yeah. all these extra things to try to, you might That's have a good point race. Too, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, absolutely. Unless and, you can do it every workout. And I think the way to go through that is to try to back it up, to yeah. go out there and repeat that sort of an effort. If you really don't want to do the ramp test, yeah. which I would recommend doing it, it just doesn't, it doesn't incur so it, much It applies fatigue. to assessments too. I mean, you mm -hmm. don't just go off that one ride. If you have magic numbers one day, it could have just been a good day. It could have been any number of other things that we're talking about here, mm -hmm. but see to it that this is legit, that this stands up to subsequent workouts and performance. Yeah. So what I would do is I would just try it because, so I would, I would put in the new FTP and then if you're failing workouts, 
nudge it back down. There it is. Yeah. Yep. But sometimes we don't know how far we can push ourselves forward. Yes, and, and that's very worth. That's very an much important point to make. Yeah. 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 Um, and what I and I fall into this where I, even right now. I don't want to raise my FTP because it already sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to make hard. it suck harder. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and I don't want to, we don't talk about me, but anyways. Yeah. So, but you, you don't want to hold yourself back. So the worst thing is you do it and you start doing some of the harder workouts and you're like, I can't do these. Mm -hmm. Just knock it back down. Yeah. Not yep. a big deal. Yep. You probably still got a good workout. Yep. You probably just skipped a couple intervals. Yep. And on the other yeah, side, just of, do it. On Thank the you. other side of things, I've I've seen. So I started to see increases in power output, like sustainable power. And I had an hour or a half hour long hill climb and an hour long hill climb. Mm -hmm. And I started to I did the I did the half hour long hill climb. Did that twice, and then I did the hour long hill climb at a, a week later. And I was able to see that, you know what, I'm actually backing up the numbers that I thought were too high for the first you'll one. You'll get all signs of confirmation. Yep. You'll see it. Yep. And at that point, I felt comfortable to be able to do it because I had evidence to back it up. I'm, I'm really against just going off one ride. But yeah, like Nate said, if you, if you do want to do that, give it a shot and then see how it works and mm -hmm. you can adjust from there. I, I thought a power meter was wrong because my power was too high. And then I went on my another power meter. And it was the same. And I was like, whoa. Oh, you're just right. awesome. I'm just awesome. But I still haven't raised it up. <laughs> last one. Last question is from Natalie. Uh, she <clears> says, hey, guys, love your podcast. I just discovered Trainer Road a few months ago, and I'm addicted. I have a question about mountain bike stage races. Uh, we, uh, looking back at our track we're record, not we're not sure we're the best. Yeah, I'm not sure you <laughs> we're going to be, though. <laughs> Two years, Cape Epic, That's it. 2021. Yeah. That's it. Uh, it says, I've signed up for the Mongolia Bike Challenge. This is my first stage race. Yes, I believe in a go big or go home approach. And I feel like I'm hitting a few roadblocks. I've compete completed a handful of Ironman and numerous half-distance Ironman races, and I'm pulling my knowledge and of training from these experiences. That said, the Mongolia Bike Challenge or any stage race of this distance is a different beast. Or is it? I guess I don't really know. Should we describe what it is real quick? Yeah, yeah, we totally should. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Chad, you've looked into this as well. So yeah, go I think ahead it was that. a six-day. Yep. Six-day, and all the rides were... She's Long. anywhere from 70 kilometers up to 120 kilometers. Yeah. Some are so they were talking like, that, yeah, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. they were talking like five and six hour days Yes, uh, and seven hours. I think I saw. So through Mongolia, very remote terrain, fair amount of climbing. You're I mean, intense. Yes. Yeah. Sleeping intense. It's like, uh, it's very much like a, uh, it's an, almost an adventure race. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so really cool one. Uh, and we'll get into some cool inf inside information. So on this big one, days yeah. stacked end end. Yep. A bit about myself. I work full time and I fit my workouts in the evenings and weekends. If you looked at my training journal, I think you would say I'm a minimalist. She says training gal. I log approximately five and a half hours during recovery weeks and eight to 10 hours of riding in a normal training week, including one to two one hour strength workouts a week. That's not minimalist. That's not minimalist. That's more than like, it's quite a lot. 80, 90% of people. But I think in this case, we'll see that Natalie is definitely an overachiever sort of person. She, she puts in a lot. Uh, she's driven. I'm always looking for the least amount of training, but the most bang for your buck. My roadblocks are the following. It's nine weeks until the race, and I'm not sure if my fitness is where it should be to successfully complete the race. I want to have adequate fitness, and I know I've done the right work. I don't use power meters, just heart rate and RPE, so it's hard to find anyone in my area that does this sort of event, so nobody to compare or bounce ideas off of. I've been slowly building fitness and endurance plus stacking workouts two to four days back to back slowly over this last six months plus indoor riding all winter. I think that's a great approach. Sounds really smart. Yeah. Indoor training, I think for these sort of rides too, is hugely helpful because of the constant nature of it, mm -hmm. right? Cause you'll have, when you're out there riding, if you slow down on these long double tracks and you're facing headwind or sandy conditions, you lose all your speed. 
you end up having to just stay on the gas the whole day, right? It's not a super high intensity, just you have to stay on it. Second point, I'm now transitioning from base to more specific race prep. At this point, what should my training look like? I'll be doing a few more stacked workouts in the next three to four weeks, but what should this phase of training look like? I feel like I have a good endurance base, just not speed. Should I go out and do 120 kilometer mountain bike rides or ride for eight hours? I've banked a six hour ride and 112 kilometers on gravel. I think the fact that she's already got a good endurance base and doesn't have a heck of a lot of speed lends itself really well to the type of event she's lining up for. Mm -hmm. So I think as of right now, you could probably go do it and do. It kind of is specific preparation for this race. Wait, do the eight hours or go do the race? Do the race. Yeah, Yeah, do the race. I wouldn't do the eight hours. No, you don't need to do that. No, I think what she's described already says she has the amount of fitness that would get her through this race. Mm -hmm. You know, she could go faster. It might not be as pleasant as it could be with another five weeks of training in her, assuming she doesn't overdo those five weeks, which we'll get to. Yep. But uh, I think the fitness is probably already there. Yeah. Her third question, because I'm teetering on slight overtraining, not interested in riding, low motivation, mood is not great. I feel I need to get that in check. Any suggestions on workouts or something that I should do other than that to gain my love of training back? Don't do the eight-hour mountain bike. That's the last thing you want to do, right? (laughs) I heard heard one of you say in a previous podcast that a recovery ride should be about 45% effort. I think I've been going too hard. I've always struggled with this. You and everybody else. Yep, that's we always do, right? Um, so, so hard to get recovery rides, right? Yeah, it Just absolutely. Do it on the trainer. Is. It locks you in. Honestly, it's like the best approach. To, yeah. If you have an erg trainer, because if you know it how to m- you. make it easy. Yeah. I do. Yeah, exactly. You do, but it doesn't <laughs> sound like she does. Low workout. The workout Dan's is a great one. No, what's the one we made? Sort of the thing? new. I had a custom at 48 percent, then we made oh, an no, actual right. trainer workout. No, I can't remember. Oh, oh uh, Lazy Mountain minus one. Yeah, that's it. Lazy Mountain. So do that, and you'll find one that's 45 percent. Perfect. Uh, she says, any other stage race advice would be excellent. Again, love your show. But Can't she's going by RP and heart rate, so she doesn't mm-hmm. have the benefit of power. So she just has to know it's got to feel tough. comfortable. It's got to feel gotta breathe gotta feel through your easy. nose, boring, easy. If it's your legs well up, easy. if it's, if it's uh, hard on you to stand out of the saddle for 30 seconds, don't stand. Yep. And if your legs are feeling heavy or sluggish, you're, you're going too hard. I, I find that I could just hold a conversation the entire time. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Full yeah. sentences. You'll see certain riders or coaches imply or impose rules on their rider. Like you can't get out of the little ring. Yep. Um, something like that where they're basically, once again, they're just trying to reinforce the fact that your goal is just to be moving your legs. It's not to be putting out any sort of effort, right? Um, it should feel dead easy. Like you said, um, so I talked to Ryan Standish, a friend of the podcast who actually has won. He won the Mongolia bike challenge, which is pretty Ooh, amazing. Well. Yeah. Um, so we have a letter from him. Is there anything else that you want to, and he actually wrote to Natalie, he read Natalie's question and wrote to her. Is there oh, anything nice. else you want to touch uh, on? Just first? a bit of praise. Really? It sounds like her approach is super good so far. I mm-hmm. mean, she's, she's, if she's, you know, being honest with us, she's built slowly. She started to stack workouts two days, which I'm guessing moved to three days, which have now moved to four days and she's done over, over a six, six month months. period. So she's She's done her due diligence. And, mm-hmm. and this is, in a case like this, it's like marathon running or even Ironman where durability is as much a concern as endurance. You mm-hmm. have to know that your body's going to hold up to it. Not just that you can cram enough energy in and put enough work out to get through it, but that you can do it without harming yourself. Yep. Yeah. And she's she's at a good spot being nine weeks out to shift from you know her, her, her basic training to more specific training. And I honestly don't know that she needs to get a heck of a lot more specific than what she's already doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's on a good trajectory and she okay. doesn't have to, she doesn't have to have like this really sharp high end for mm-hmm. any of this. Yeah, I don't no. think, I mean, I can't, you don't need none it. of the profiles I looked at looked like that was yeah. a big And demand. Ryan backs that up too. He, he says the same thing. All right. Yeah. So I think that she's, I think that she's got some good prep. So what you want to go over what you have her do? Good. 
Uh, yeah. So in my case, I would just uh, shift basically to, and you're probably doing a fair amount of this already, but you just need steady state work, mm -hmm. just maybe at a slightly higher intensity, not necessarily, uh, well, it's going to be a higher intensity than what you're going to maintain on the, on the races. Those races totally. are long. You don't need to do these epically long rides either. An eight hour ride, I think is, uh, you're going to stop seeing benefit from that thing about five hours into it. Mm -hmm. So if you can squeeze in a five hour ride, once every one to two weeks mm -hmm. and really uh, every couple of weeks is enough, especially as she's getting closer to the event and that residual, that high level residual fatigue that she might get if she were trying to do that every week mm -hmm. isn't going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. So my advice to you, Natalie, you can totally do it. Like, oh, just, yeah. you've done multiple Ironmans. Like, yeah, totally. Yes, you can do this. <laughs> yeah. So I want to mention there's this book by Sheryl Sandberg, who is the Facebook COO, I believe is her title, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. called Lean In. And Inside of that, she talks about um, men and women with in the workplace and with jobs. And I think it relates a lot to um, endurance events too, where a job posting will say requires eight to 10 years of experience. And men will look, be like, I got two, but I could do that. And they apply. Hmm. When women more like, I need more experience. I need to be able to qualify this. I need to be able to have all these things in order to do it. Hmm. Same thing. I bet we talk about bullying bike challenge. There's probably some guys on their couch that are like, I could do that. <laughs> who like have not even trained, yeah, totally. right? looking to yeah. sign up. Yep. Yep. And then and Natalie, you have this huge, like, you're doing so great, like great resume, yeah. all this stuff. You've done it all. And you're like, I don't know though. I'm not gonna be able to do it. But she mm -hmm. does have one thing to work out. Yeah. If you're done. What? Yeah. So I'm just saying you can do it. Yeah. Um, have confidence in yourself. Yeah. I think in general, try to build this in my daughter too. Like, uh, you don't have to wait so much to be fully prepared. Just do it. And the other thing is, uh, we've experienced this, but you, at stage race, you're going to feel horrible every day oh, when yeah. you wake up. Yep. But once you get on the bike and you go 20, 30 minutes, you'll start to feel better. Yeah. Yep. Especially if you've already been doing back-to-backs, a couple yes. days in a row, four days in a row. Man, if you can go four days in a row, you can stretch that to seven or eight. Yep. Mm -hmm. I promise. It's incredible how that happens. But yeah. it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And you're going to be so glad you did it, but you sound totally prepped. But, yeah, you do. But first things first, you need to get over the fatigue you're carrying right now. Because it sounds oh, yeah. like it's getting to the point where it's affecting you mentally, psychologically, mm -hmm. and that's only going to get worse. So even if your body can handle it and you can push for another nine weeks and get through the event, why not take a week off now, be a little fresher, get a little more out of your training over these next few weeks and go into the event and actually enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. So you could, it sounds like you're the sort of athlete who has the physical capabilities, the mental predisposition, you can probably push yourself all the way to and through this event. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what you need to do. If I were coaching you, I would right now tell you to take this next week off. And what off means to you is for you to figure out. Mm -hmm. It could be a bunch of easy rides. It could be some outdoor riding. It could be no riding, but either way, it has to be a break both physically and, and, and mentally yep. for, for just a week. And it times out perfectly. You have nine weeks out and then you have eight weeks to train, three weeks of loading, one week deload, three weeks of loading, one week taper, go race. Yep. Right into it. Uh, I'll read Ryan's letter that he says to, to Natalie. He says, Hey, trainer Rhoda and Natalie. Uh, my first response is if you have finished just one Ironman, let alone multiple, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Like yeah. you said, <laughs> says it also sounds like the training you are doing will set you up nicely for the event, especially given the time constraints of a full-time job job. Ryan's impressed. In other words, the race organization is unbelievable. And Willie Mulonia runs a very tight ship while making sure that everybody has everything they need to get through the race. I arrived in Ulaanbaatar two days early as recommended to accommodate for any baggage or travel issues. I think that's a smart choice for sure. And got in the shuttle to the event hotel, which was all organized through Mongolia bike challenge. I think we had five or six people in one four wheel drive vehicle, including bikes and gear. So I prepared to squeeze in. 
I would recommend riding with a camelback to have a little extra water. Last year, the feed zones were spaced out to where the front racers could get by with just two bottles and then stop to refill. But I would plan on having some extra just to be on the safe side. I took probably about a box of goose, 25 of them, he thinks, as well as some chews and enough drink mix for the three bottles a day. And he says, even at the front of the race, we always had a gentleman's agreement to stop at the food stops where we could stock up on cookies, gummy bears, trail mix, or whatever they had, and take enough to get through to the next stop. As far as eating and fueling off the bike, there was never a shortage of food available to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They've gone away from the traditional Mongolian food as our Western stomachs had a lot of trouble in the past. Mm. I stuck to the pasta, rice, and a little bit of chicken for the most part and avoided any uncooked vegetables, etc., and did not have any stomach issues for the whole race. That may have just been luck, though. I was also taking Pepto-Bismol with breakfast and dinner just just to try and reduce the chances as well. And he says he would definitely recommend this. Uh, he says, I didn't do anything in per- or anything particularly radical for equipment. Just used a saddlebag for an extra tube, multi-tool, and tire plugs. I would take a bottle of chain lube, though, and use it religiously, as the bike can get wet and muddy, and you want the drivetrain to be working as smooth as possible for the whole week. They've changed the course this year, but there can be some unexpectedly deep river crossings that you'll carry your bike through. Another, And that's a really important part, and if you have room in your camelback, it's not a bad idea to take an extra chamois because I've heard of people in these situations mm. when they are crossing something, especially being a female, you may be smaller in stature. So that river may be higher. And if you get sand in your chamois, that is extremely uncomfortable. Extra socks. Yep. Extra socks mm. could be a nice thing. And socks and extra chamois, they don't weigh very much yeah, when you're yeah. talking about putting it into a pack. They don't take up much space too. Um, he says another good option would be to pay for the mechanic service. They will clean your bike and make sure it's going strong before the start of the next stage. And they don't like to share their bike cleaning things with people who didn't sign up for that service for pacing. I'd say riding at the comfortable all day pace is a good start with stage racing. It's probably similar to an Ironman. And if you feel like you might be going too fast, then you definitely are. Usually the second and third days are the hardest while your body gets used to being on the bike for long periods on back-to-back days. And by the second half of the week, you'll be tired enough that you can't push yourself too hard anyway. And you just enjoy being out there on the amazing course. Mm. That's my understanding anyway. The riding itself is not overly technical and most of it is on fire roads and double track. The thing that caught me off guard was how steep the climbing seems to be. Just be prepared to think, no way we're going to go up that road and then you will have to go up it. So he said, don't forget to upload the maps uh, to your Garmin or Wahoo head unit as these will save you in case you miss one of the markers on the course. Ryan mentions that he used the Garmin Edge 520 and it was fine for the maps. He just followed the purple line. He didn't need any detail on the maps. In other words, he just followed that. Says there are some big dogs out there too. And and he actually means dogs. Uh, He says, so, and they'll chase you from time to time, trying to herd you like cattle or yaks, which we, and he says for them, they just sprayed a little water at them with their water bottles and then they wouldn't bother them anymore. So they would just reach the bottle down and spray. (laughs) Says if I was going back again, I would try to stay for a little while after the race to do more sightseeing for sure. I was able to see the main square and the massive statue of Genghis Khan, as well as wander through the Mongolian History Museum, which is across the street. For the most part, the people understand enough English to get around, and all the race organizers are fully fluent and can help you with anything you need. Good luck, Natalie. Hope you enjoy the adventure. I was in awe of the landscape, and the people were very friendly. Um, uh, That's awesome. Stuff. That is great. Thorough. From uh, a winner of the race. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> uh, another tip on dogs, which I've seen work, is 
when they run up at you. Stop pedaling. No, I've seen a guy. Um, <laughs> it's a thing. It's really? never made sense to me because it's the, the legs that are that are like teasing them. They keep trying to oh, bite really? their legs. Sorry to derail. That's a scary um, thing to try. <laughs> that takes a lot of trust. I've seen a um, like a, a very short but loud and violent yell, like get out of here, like because mm-hmm. they like for a second they're like, they mm-hmm. come up like thinking that you're something they're gonna yeah. either play with or attack. It's but a if you yell, of dominance. Yeah, and they're like, whoa, what is this? And that's enough where they kind of. They'll just like stand there and spark, but they won't stop chasing you. The <laughs> most effective dog aid is to not be the last person. That's the best one. <laughs> leave, just leave some meat behind you for some for the dog. Bears right? too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you want to, <clears throat> Natalie, if you want to connect with Ryan or anything else, you can find him, find him on Instagram at Ryan Standwich. He has a silly thing on there uh, because people can't say standish a lot of the time. So Ryan, stand like you're standing, and which, W-I-C-H, uh, like the end of a sandwich. Thanks so. so uh, you can check them out there. Uh, that basically covers it for this episode. We're just going to get to a couple live questions because we went long on this one. Yeah. Um, but we'll just go into some of those really quick. Let's see here. Um, oh, a lot of people are talking about Froome in there. And, yes, get well mm. soon, Chris Froome. Yes, what a bummer horrible. that he's out for the Tour de France. Horrible yeah. injuries. Um, somebody asks, what are our favorite bib shorts that we've used? I like Quarry, for sure. Same. Jack Roo. Huh. Yeah, and I like the two-in-one skin suits instead of using bib straps myself. I do really like those yep. on the quarry side. Two-in-ones are nice. Oh, Yeah, it depends. Yeah. I like the bibs, too. Yep. Bibs I use indoors. Yes. Yeah, bibs I use indoors, too. And you can <laughs> look at my Instagram to see exactly the shape of the bibs on my back with the sunburn that I got recently, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Somebody's asking about naps as well. They're asking if naps are – are they equally effective to getting more sleep, or do you know anything about that, Chad? Uh, I do want to – <clears throat> look into that again, but I, I'm pretty sure you can't compensate for a poor night's sleep with what by tacking on a nap. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's that's I what the, okay. the research says. Yeah. No, naps are okay, yeah. but it doesn't mean you can sleep four or five hours a night and then make up make it up with a two or three hour nap. Make it like it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, it could be though. I, I, honestly, I don't feel comfortable answering that just yet. But I do know cool. the naps themselves highly beneficial. Awesome. Um, someone says, "How does CBD affect sleep? Better REM sleep." Uh, they will tell you that for sure. So says yes. Floyd. Yeah, that's what uh, his latest newsletter said. Yeah. But I, the, I have not seen any independent stuff. It's tricky. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's the it's out. Um, the, I, the, the jury. The, the, the jury is out. That's yeah. what I want to gotcha. say. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's been tough to find any conclusive evidence. But yeah, if, we'll I bet I bet you though. If you believe it gives you better sleep <laughs> yes. and you go to sleep faster, yes. you will go to sleep faster. Exactly right. And a lot of the time they package those sort of products with melatonin and with other things that, that do have been proven to improve sleep anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking it, you're probably going to be getting some sort of aid from that as well. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's worth saying, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, so I'm skipping over a lot of them because... Uh, we don't a lot much of time and, and a lot of it is about the the I should say all the different things that we're featuring on the app. Um, okay, this is a um, this is a good question that somebody has here, and this is probably something that we're going to leave for for next episode. Um, actually, this one we may be able to cover. Any experiences by you guys regarding lazy or non-activating glutes? I have exercises by my physio, but any tips or suggestions to resolve from fellow cyclists would be appreciated. We actually have a post on that in the forum. If you look up knee injury, you'll be able to see a whole post that I do, even with pictures and descriptions of the workouts that I do 
for that very thing for glute activation. And tons of you have pitched into that thread and added on a lot and said the different things that you do. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like it's really important. One thing that helps me is doing a small exercise before I ride. I have these bands that I got off of Amazon. They're super cheap. It's like $5 for the set. And I put one that has tighter, um, it's like a medium strength band around my knees. And then one that's a little, little bit less uh, intense. And I put that around my ankles. I put my hands on my hips. And then I just extend, if you think of like your leg, I just extend my, and a square that you're standing in. I extend my legs straight. I extend one backwards to the back corner. Um, and I just do those. And I find that that wakes things up. And when I get yeah, on the bike, it's very different. Neuromuscular activation. Exactly. There's a lot right. of ways to do it. And yep. it's almost always worthwhile. Yep. So another, another thing I find is that if I spend some time in the drops early on, it seems to help with me. That's just a personal thing. And it seems to help, uh, so that it activates better. Um, someone said, uh, I have seen people ride on a trainer in the parking lot where they have their kids at soccer practice. Yeah. Another person said, I jump rope to my kids activities or ice skates <laughs> and try to exercise while they're in class. It's <laughs> also a good tip. Someone else said, we never say this, but we should say it. If you're watching on YouTube right now, give us a upvote thing. Yeah. It gives it make, what it does is more people see our stuff and exactly. uh, subscribe to us and then our channel will be builder and we'll get more employees we'll build more stuff and cool features everything will be you. better so it's like uh, so little for you to just click up or thumbs up like thumbs up yeah like i don't even know what it is. <laughs> is it like on youtube a thumbs up yeah oh yeah, yeah. so thank you please they're do doing that. it as we speak i'm seeing it ticking up oh thank you everyone <laughs> i'm gonna do it myself so bam the, 46 the last thing i want to say here before we sign off is you should check out our youtube channel because we have a bunch of new race analysis stuff that we've posted up a win by nate where he was solo for almost the entire race and then he gets caught at the end and then there's a lapper in his way it's quite dramatic um, it's dramatic yeah uh, then there's two races in which um or there's a race that we work together and deliver you for another win there's a race that i won and we have an upcoming race where keegan swenson is going to critique me and tell me oh, all the wait. things i screwed fun. up from oh. a short track can i be there when you record it <laughs> yeah so that's I'm just gonna be up. smiling in the background we have a ton of race analysis videos and they're going up on youtube uh, we're racing all the time we're recording that I'm probably going to record my performance at national championships in short track and in cross country Olympic, which should be exciting to do that. Nice. Uh, plenty of cool stuff. So if you I haven't got, checked that out, I got second in a race on Tuesday, hey, three, four, five USAC race. Yeah, you did. It's awesome. Uh, so be out too. head over to youtube.com slash trainer road and check out our playlist. We have short clips broken down from this. We have the full episodes. We have race analysis, plenty of other stuff. And if you're interested in what we're doing here at trainer road, all the new features we talked about, you can head over to trainerroad.com. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks for listening and sharing with your friends. Chat with you next week. Thanks, everybody. I'm out next week. Oh, yeah. But it'll be that's awesome right. still. Yes, we will chat with bye you. Bye. We'll have somebody else. Bye. -bye. <laughs> <laughs>